Podmortem would like to thank Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Original Cinematic is a production company that has made it their mission to create, produce, and promote films that are inclusive, honor women, promote the LGBTQIA community, and provide prominent positions and roles to POC actors and filmmakers, and promote the films of marginalized and underrepresented populations. These are all things that are extremely important to our podcast as well. Original Cinematic is proud to be a WGA signatory company, and they fully stand by the WGA and its members in their fight for extremely reasonable standards. Accordingly, they are not accepting scripts or treatment submissions at this time, but both William and Zena Rush are available via email free of charge to discuss writing and provide input and resources to all aspiring writers. This information will be made available in the show notes. Ahead of the strike, William Rush has individually produced numerous projects, including Coffee with Baba, Day by Day, They Slay, Before, Pack is Here, Abiquiu, The Winemaker, and Where Do You Draw the Line? Two feature films, Group and Immersion, are slated for release this fall. Absolutely no picket lines will be crossed and no collective bargaining agreements will be violated in the making of either of these films. And very generously, Original Cinematic is providing all Podmortem patrons with a special link to view these films. If arrangements can be made, they will even schedule a virtual or in-person screening for our patrons. We cannot thank Original Cinematic enough for their contribution to our show and the horror community as a whole. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Salutations. Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter-Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from Aquatica Research Facility, discussing the 1999 science fiction horror film, Deep Blue Sea. This film was directed by Rennie Harlan from a screenplay by Duncan Kennedy, Donna Powers, and Wayne Powers. Deep Blue Sea combines a fantastic cast with memorable sequences, impressive production design, and a marriage of practical and digital effects, resulting in an entertaining and action-packed thriller. While the film received mixed reviews from critics, it proved successful at the box office and in recent years has spawned two sequels. This film was suggested to us by friends of the show, Megan M., Kimberly Bass, Molly Gerhardt, TJ Bronson, Kate Lamp, and Noreen S., This film was also the winner of our July Patreon poll, so thank you to all of our patrons who participated and voted. If you want to help us pick an episode, join us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash thepodmortem. So, Deep Blue Sea, what were your first impressions on the film? So I I came to realize that I've never sat down and watched this movie in its entirety. I've caught it on TNT, like bits and pieces, mm-hmm. uh, but that's it. I've never just sat down and watched it. That's surprising to me. Yeah, I, I thought I knew everything that happened, and I was like, oh, I, I don't. <laughs> um, but this this movie was pretty good. I have a little mixed feelings about it, but it's a fun time. Um, there's a... Um, uh, CGI sharks. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it... it 
I know that Jaws did a really good job of like being being afraid of going in the water, making you afraid of going in the water. Mm-hmm. This was, uh, I guess, a different setting because it was, uh, you know, we'll get into it, but they are isolated. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it worked too, too much for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm like, okay, that's that's cool, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> but it is fun. It's a, the cast, too. Holy shit, the cast. Like, I was... It seemed like every time they introduced somebody, I was like, oh, shit, it's him. Oh, yeah, and that guy. Oh, my God. But it is, again, I that's one thing that I will say is that the movie's very fucking fun. Mm-hmm. Um, there are memorable moments and things that happen. So I'm very, very excited to get into this one. <laughs> I remember watching this as a kid, and I know I watched it a few times, but what I retained was almost nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, like you said, I had completely forgotten the cast except for Samuel L. Jackson and yes. LL Cool J. Those were the only people I remembered being in it. And it really was a treat seeing the different people be introduced because now I'm like, oh my God, you mm-hmm. know, especially one of the main characters I'm a big fan of and I feel like he does not get his due ever. No. Um, so I was really excited to see him in this and I don't think he'd been in much before from my understanding before this yeah but um no this is this is pretty wild it's kind of a difficult film to rate or to like review because there are parts about it that i really like there are um there's a death that is the one thing that i i never forgot yeah i never forgot how shocked i was when it happened um there are these really great moments there are a couple cool characters there's interesting commentary about kind of fucking with nature and stuff like that but then there's moments where it's like stop (laughs) stop that so i mean it's a it's a mixed bag but overall i think it is a fun movie yeah just and real quick i that's one thing i didn't know and i was very surprised to see was ll cool j was in the movie yeah (laughs) i didn't know that i knew sam jackson yeah um and like one other person and that was it which is our main character yeah but other than that i did not know that so when i seen him i was like okay oh shit that was one of the things that i did remember and the only reason i did remember ll cool j's inclusion in the film is because there is a song on the end credits oh (laughs) (laughs) that is hilarious (laughs) <laughs> I remember that, but it's even fucking funnier than I remember it, dude. It's I mean, even funnier yeah. than I remember you it. Just, uh, just get, you know, get into the mind of a shark. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And then that's how you write. That's how you write. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I know, I know. We watched this film as kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and literally the only takeaway that I had from it was the same as Nay. Right. Which was Samuel L. Jackson um LL Cool J yeah and now he does he does really good in the film yeah he does he does song's interesting but <laughs> <laughs> the song was a bold choice it's a choice <laughs> um why is it like a shark spin? why is it know. I don't know not just the shark spin? are you a shark or not <laughs> anyway <laughs> it's a, a lot of mixed <laughs> mixed messages in the lyrics <laughs> Well, he's not actually a shark. No, he's yeah. like, I'm well, fitting into so, the mind. Yeah. <laughs> he's half, mm. according to the That's lyrics. That's what he claims. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there really is one like incredibly iconic death that is almost, I mean, 
you could put it up there with pretty much any of the holy shit moments of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And it really, really holds its own. And even watching it for the show right i knew it was coming and i'm still like i can't believe they did this yeah me too it's shocking yeah but as a whole i mean i don't know i wanted i think i wanted to like this more than i did i i had a lot of fun oh yeah but watching it i really did i kind of came up way with the you know it's all right it's pretty good it wasn't great yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it keeps i mean because when you when you see this film on paper and you see the cast yeah it's kind of wild that you don't. I didn't come away loving it like I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I honestly maybe because I didn't remember as much from it, but the nostalgia wasn't as powerful as I expected it to be. Okay, there were moments where I was like, "Man," but I forgot so much of it. Yeah, and I will say there are some uh, scenes of underwater corridors that are oddly kind of cozy to look at. Yeah. yeah, and so I mean, there's there is there are a lot of positives in the film. Right. I will say there are some pacing issues for me. Some. Um, I think there, uh, some of the film feels a little disjointed. It's mm-hmm. a little long in the, <laughs> it's a little long in the shark. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those films that this is the kind of film again that you just watch and enjoy. Yeah. Right. This feels like a film that would have been a blast to see in a theater in the nineties. Okay. Yeah. See, I, that's, that's kind of what I got to seeing it when it came out. Or like if it's like, oh, it's the whatever anniversary. We're showing this again in the theater. Okay, cool. Go have fun with a group of friends or whatever. Somebody else or even by yourself. Yeah. And then just enjoy it. But yeah, I, I d- doing it for the show, I was like, oh, <laughs> what the fuck? Can you see some seams? Yeah. A little. But can you imagine the crowd reaction to that one scene? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. That would have been really cool to experience. But for me, a- along with the good cast, mm-hmm. there are a few kind of confusing character moments to me mm-hmm. yeah as far as people kind of changing their well i guess their entire character <laughs> <laughs> for a moment to sell the next scene or suddenly relationships that aren't very apparent mm-hmm. become entire thank motivations you. for people yeah. thank <laughs> you i was like did i fall asleep I was like, did that happen? <laughs> all right i guess so uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's fun. Um, I'm glad we got to watch it again. And uh, thank you again to everyone on Patreon yeah. for voting it in. Um, I was interested to learn looking at the production. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard on the commentary and I read in an interview on Joe Blow and the LA times. Okay. But the script actually began as more of a military espionage situation where it was way more action heavy and there's like sharks and there's not now i'm not saying that the, the sharks I, have grenades but i are, I, uh, I was that's yeah, where i thought you were going. <laughs> like stealth sharks they're and, smart yeah, they're, 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 you know i know what i thought you were, yeah, honest, you were going. honestly i'm saying i'm not saying that i don't know what i'm saying <laughs> it could have been i never read the script right tuxedo one yeah, yeah. james bond of sharks exactly all right all right <laughs> the silver tongue yeah, one, yeah. you know <laughs> I was <laughs> sharking, not stirred. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Uh, but <laughs> that was ridiculous. <laughs> the thing was, is that as soon as Rennie Harlan got involved, it was rewritten several times by Donna and Wayne Powers. Okay. Who interestingly are a husband and wife screenwriting duo. Okay. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was pretty neat. Um, but Harlan, apparently, I from what I read... He his career wasn't in a slump, but a lot of things were saying that he kind of needed a hit. Mm-hmm. And so, what he was doing was he was kind of biding his time and looking for a big 
horror film to do. All right. And I think he meant big as far as not only concept, Mm -hmm. but budget. Okay. And whenever it came across his desk, he was like, well, what's more frightening than the biggest predator in the wild? You know, what's bigger and scarier <laughs> and more primal than a shark? Than a shark. <laughs> <laughs> and so they kind of enticed him. But then he was also <laughs> very worried. Yeah. Because when you think of thrillers and sharks, it has already been done the best it's ever going to be done. Period. Right. That's that's why I think that I wouldn't I wouldn't even. Oh, no. Throw my hat that's like a shark's fin <laughs> in the ring for this <laughs> not at all <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is too you gotta think you gotta come up with a good way or a way to make us believe to be where we're at because mm-hmm. on the cool if i just don't go in the water yeah that shark's scary but you're not gonna come up here mm-hmm. yeah you know what i mean <laughs> you're not scary anymore <laughs> they go away they like, i'm going back home yeah, like, <laughs> there, there's horror movies. There's a lot of other conventions that you're like, oh, shit, everybody has to take a shower. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but the uh, the sharks, it is kind of difficult to make scary because you're like, I just I'm not going to go to I the won't ocean. Do yeah. That then. yeah. But this they really do give a very interesting way to isolate these characters yeah. and make it to where you're like, you have no choice but to deal with these sharks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting take. And I know in a lot of interviews, he had said that he was worried about comparisons to Jaws. Mm-hmm. And then he goes ahead and references Jaws like fifty times. Yeah. <laughs> well, you gotta. There's no. There's no way. It's, like, it's, you have to. It's respect. Yeah. yeah. It's paying homage. He's like, I understand. Yeah. But I think if they don't do that, then of course we're gonna be like, Hey, you stole that thing. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you stole sharks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we sink our jaws into this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's dive in. So the film begins with production logos, slowly transitioning from their usual displays to be shown all in blue under ripples of water. Literal submersion. Yes! (laughs) Finally! That's what you've been asking for. (laughs) But the music mounts before we're treated to an overhead shot of a small boat in the middle of the open water. You're talking about the music? Uh Uh-huh. I saw a making of little thing. It was like 15 or 20 minutes or something. But they had an entire orchestra and they were playing clips from the movie and playing to what they were watching. Oh, that's cool. And it was it was really cool. Like violins and harps like they were fucking getting down. And so it made me appreciate the music even more (laughs) because they go hard. Yeah, no, they do. Uh, The composer was the former guitarist for Yes, if you recall. What? Uh Yeah, he wrote Owner of a Lonely Heart. And then. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how expensive that was. Owner of a Lonely Heart? No, an orchestra <laughs> to do that. It's like, look, we won't even add the music until later. It's like, this is, I want you to just play it for every scene. I do love whenever they do that because they do have a lot of behind the scenes stuff where they show almost like them playing to sections. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're like, because they did that a lot for Joseph Bashara. Okay. With um, Insidious and stuff. And you're just like, how the hell? That's yeah. cool though because they can get the whole vibe yeah, of the yeah. scene and kind of, you know, uh-huh. this has nothing to do with anything. But you know what else I like watching is Foley artists. Oh, do yeah. Do their thing. Uh-huh. 
when they're like it's somebody getting their arm ripped off though and they're just like biting a head of lettuce or something like it's like oh that does sound like flesh ripping but, but it's a vegetable but it's so wild <laughs> it's crazy because they're like you know it sounds like a bone breaking yeah yeah like they a carrot. To, a carrot yeah that's their daily life dude that's really fucking cool <laughs> But from POV shots underneath the boat, accompanied by tense notes of the score, we get the title, Deep Blue Sea. To the sound of Good and Plenty by Divine playing on a stereo, boy number one, played by Isle Padel, makes out with girl number one, played by Aaron Bartlett. She dangles her foot over the boat into the water, and we see it in POV shots, poking through the blue as the camera begins to advance slowly before she pulls it back up. Elsewhere on the boat, our boy number two, played by Dan Teal, and girl number two, played by Sabrina Gearing. So I'm glad they all got names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fully fleshed out characters. Absolutely. But they cuddle up close as boy number two whispers sweet nothings, but a sudden splashing sound nearby disturbs the mood for girl number two. She peers over to the lifeboat, asking her beau if he felt something, but dude is too in the mood, and he's like, yeah, I definitely felt something. <laughs> His pants are chafed yeah. <laughs> He's not paying attention to anything else. But he leans in to kiss her neck, and she just laughs him off and stands up to investigate. He follows her, wrapping his arms around her waist as they dance very awkwardly. To the yeah, dude. <laughs> I was like, there was no music on set, was there? No. <laughs> But they sidle up to the first couple and offer each other great lines. Oh, <laughs> my God. Such as, we're having a party, man. Yep. yep. And boat's rocking. You better believe it. Yeah. <laughs> this. I, I literally have those lines written down yeah. because I could not stop fucking laughing. This is NPC behavior. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Dude, as, as this was happening and I'm writing my script, I said, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> is this what we're in for? I was so worried. <laughs> But unfortunately for them, the boat does rock, shaking harshly from the collision of some large unseen force. This topples over a bottle of red wine, which rolls over to the edge, pouring its crimson contents into the sea in a nice bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. I was like, are the sharks going to think that that wine is blood? Because I was about to get mad. <laughs> I was worried too. <laughs> I was like, maybe it's not foreshadowing. No. <laughs> and it's just upsetting. <laughs> But the boat continues to rock, the mast swaying left to right until everything goes quiet for a second. Boy number two tries to get everyone to just listen for a moment, but another bang is heard and felt through the bottom of the ship, which causes the stereo to slide off the edge of the ship, sending Divine into the briny deep, along with a teddy bear that was sitting on the sound system for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was like, you got us out here on some always sunny implication shit. <laughs> and now we got a bear floating in the water like it's fucking breaking bad. I, <laughs> I'm, I take me back to land. I literally put, I said, is this season two of breaking bad? <laughs> <laughs> Very specific. Take me back. Well, they're, they're like, what is that? Turn the music off. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe turn the music off and listen. Well, but the music makes it less scary. They're trying oh. to awkwardly dance over here. You need music. But the teddy bear did get its own shot. Yes. <laughs> A tragic descent. But the boat creaks and heaves in the water as another loud crash is heard beneath the deck. The couples reach higher ground as best they can and wait silently for a moment until out of nowhere, a large shark bursts through the wooden boards of the deck, sending water and shards of splintered wood everywhere. The couples tumble into the water, splashing and screaming as soon as they resurface. The shark swims away from the boat, and the frightened quartet sees the fin of the shark gliding through the water under the light of the moon. 
The music grows frantic as one of the couples reaches onto the boat for rope to pull themselves up, with the shark right on their tail. Its mouth hangs open, ready to take a bite at a crime, when it is suddenly struck with a harpoon. And then another. We see the man wielding the gun is Carter Blake, played by Thomas Jane. This is who I was talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love Thomas Jane. And I feel like he is so, he is an underrated king. Yeah. He does not get his due ever. I was not expecting, uh, and I, like I said, I remembered after seeing it, but I forgot for a second that the Punisher was in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I didn't remember him being in this at all. Yeah, he seems more like a land guy. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I didn't know you were fighting crime on C2. Or was like, <laughs> it was a spinoff? Yeah, or? I was like, I don't know what's happening here. It's like, your hairdo though, man. He's <laughs> pretty blonde. Yeah. I will say, um, I just watched 1922 recently, dude. Okay. And he seriously, when you say underrated, dude, you are absolutely yeah. yeah he's great. He I just transforms don't himself in 1922. He does. He's he's just great. Wasn't he on Arrested Development as well? He was. <laughs> <laughs> he's great. He sure was. And of course, The Mist. Of course, yeah. where. You know, we'll <laughs> let's say hasty decisions are made. <laughs> Maybe wait more than five seconds. Uh, I don't know. But the shark is unable to move, thrashing in the water in vain for the rescued couple. I okay, so this is clearly at least the director had said an homage to Jaws, mm-hmm. and I thought that it was going to end the same way. Right. I didn't expect for them to be rescued at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the scene does just kind of end here. It yeah, does. They, it. they should be very grateful because their behavior was the shark is coming toward them and they're just like, huh? huh? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you said, like NPCs. Yeah. Like that was get on the fucking boat. <laughs> Why are you just still floating there and kicking your legs? That shark was like literally looking at her ass. It was like coming. No. Yeah. Yeah. In full force. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was frustrated. I don't know if that was the shark or the cameraman, but <laughs> either way, <laughs> I will say, um, I expected at least a thanks for saving me. <laughs> yeah, something. <laughs> nothing. One of the little waves. Yeah, there's, and they just swim away. Yeah. But there was nothing. Doesn't no, it, it was just over. Doesn't it just change what we're looking at his face? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's got a look on his face that you're like, oh, this is more important than what we yeah. saw. <laughs> <laughs> but we immediately cut to a helicopter in the sky at sunrise, landing on the helipad of a skyscraper. Out of the helicopter steps Dr. Susan McAllister, played by Saffron Burroughs, as triumphant music plays. She clearly means business. Yes. And it was driving me nuts. She is love and 40s mom from you. That's right. Yes. So if you were also like, where the fuck do I know her from? That's where you know her from. I do recently. want to say... Um, I think she does great in this film. She plays a kind of complicated character. Um, it was not complicated to me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's 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 certain complications. All right, yeah, <laughs> it's motivations and action. Okay, that yeah, yeah. But I will say they were talking on commentary and they were like, uh, they said, okay, the helipad that they land on, uh huh, it was shot in Mexico. Okay. And the surrounding buildings were composited in from Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And as he was saying it, I was watching it. I was like, oh, wow, you really can't tell. And then you get the shot where the helicopter clearly looks in front of a blue screen. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, and you can't even tell. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. And I think that's a thing with this film that happens a lot. Yeah. Where some things look fucking great. Yeah, and then some, and maybe maybe they're made even worse by comparison by those moments that do look really really good. Maybe, 
Because yeah. there's some moments where I'm like, oh, <laughs> maybe they were like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> that's, that's what we wanted. It's good. And I know it's 1999 and I'm not trying to hindsight no, of course. Yeah. judge, but I will say some things do look better than others. Oh, yeah. But Susan heads into an office, dropping a newspaper onto a desk. The headline reads, Test Shark Escapes. What the fuck do you mean, test shark? Y- yeah. <laughs> like, they have freaking laser beams attached to their head? Or, like, what? Test what? Well, these are the espionage sharks. That yeah. That- <laughs> <laughs> They're the solid shark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's a very concerning headline. Yeah. I think what was funny to me is that the journalists did their due diligence because they literally, I don't think people should know that they have test sharks, Yeah, what? but it's literally the headline. These are test (laughs) sharks. (laughs) Shouldn't you be more, I feel like NDAs should be signed. Yeah, you know, you would think. The subhead was funny to me too. It said teens narrowly avoid slaughter. And I was like, those are not teens. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're they're my age. I'd be like, oh my God, thank you. (laughs) But Susan immediately admits that there have been problems at their facility, but what they're currently attempting is something that's never been done before. She says they're so close to the reactivation of a human brain cell. Across the desk from her sits an unimpressed executive played by Ronnie Cox, but standing behind him with his hand resting on his chair is Russell Franklin, played by the one and only Samuel L. Jackson. I knew Fury had something to do with this shit. (laughs) I knew it. I just wanted to say, woo! (laughs) I just love him. He elevates anything he's in. Yeah, period. And he plays a very interesting character here that is kind of not his normal. Right. But um, I will talk about something later because there is a wild story with the original intentions of casting him. Mm -hmm. Hmm. But Franklin tells Susan that the $200 million that he's already sunk into this company is due in great part to her research. But he says that when the market opens on Monday, despite his reputation, he doesn't like heights, especially falling from them. I was like, I don't know you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) And your reputation. (laughs) It was just a very funny because we learn all of this. Yeah. Yeah, But to say it like that is especially with what happened to him is very strange. He's like, you know who the fuck I am. (laughs) But Franklin gives his sincere apology, and Susan walks away frustrated. Staring out of a window, Susan asks Franklin if he's ever known anyone with Alzheimer's disease. Franklin admits that he hasn't, but Susan shares that at the end of her father's life, all he could do was ask why her mother wasn't at home. She says every single time that she had to remind him that her mother was dead, she had to watch him take that loss like a car wreck. She says 200,000 people develop Alzheimer's each year, which gets the executive's attention, and she asks them, what if you could end all of that suffering with a single pill? She approaches the desk with renewed confidence, telling Franklin to give her 48 hours until Monday. She promises results and says that if she can't deliver, she'll help him pack up the lab herself. She tells him that it's his call and leaves before she can get an answer. So this is all new to me. Yeah. I did not remember at all the noble pursuits of this shark film. Not yeah. at all. And I like that you said that because it is very noble. Mm-hmm. Despite how I feel about her later on, and I do have feelings about her later on, what she's doing is noble and it would be incredible. Mm-hmm. So being faced with this deadline, I can understand the desperation that she feels and motivates her to do things that she should not fucking do. But you, she should not fucking do that. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think that was my thing too. I understand the motivation. Mm -hmm. I get it. And it is a very good cause, but I mean, like you said, babe, we will learn later, but maybe not, you know? Well, not that, not this way. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 almost like the trolley problem. We got to weigh how many shark attacks is worth. Yeah, <laughs> how many mauled people in the sea is worth? How many shark yeah. fin hats? <laughs> You're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the real question. Yes. <laughs> but we immediately cut to a seaplane in the sky, flown by Susan herself with Franklin riding passenger. He tells Susan that the speech she gave back there was rather impressive, but she just changes the subject saying that she read an article about him and references the, quote, thing in the Himalayas. Franklin corrects her that it was the Alps. Franklin then stares out of a window, summing up the incident succinctly. They were just trying to do something together and have fun, but things went bad. Susan reminds him of all the people that he saved, but Franklin corrects her again. Not all of them. Susan then looks around a little uneasily and a bit surprised. She's like, man, that article was full of errors. (laughs) (laughs) But through the front windscreen, they see it. A large research facility right in the middle of the ocean. Susan explains that the Navy built it during World War II to load and refuel submarines. She says when the Navy mothballed it, they picked it up. I did have to, I looked in mothballing it, right? Mm -hmm. It means to deactivate something, but not destroy it and to leave it in reserve to sell it or to reuse it later. Oh. That's kind of what I figured because I was like, that's a funny term. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, maybe just kind of shelf it. Uh So I was like, all right, because if it's that old and really though, I don't know if this is a real thing, but I feel like that's kind of would be cool to explore. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, this is not functional anymore. You can go in there. It's not dangerous. Explore around down there. I feel like that would be pretty cool. Yeah. It made me think of that uh, thing in Final Fantasy VIII when you have to go and... Yeah. Is it Bahamut down there? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He sure is. (laughs) But Susan says that her company added aquatic pens and underwater laboratories, admitting that it was on Franklin's dime. Franklin chuckles and after observing the facility, says that it looks like Alcatraz floats. The music then grows majestic as the skyplane dips around to get a closer view of the facility upon landing. I do want to say one of the producers, Akiva Goldsmith, he said basically what everyone was thinking and he called this film Jurassic Shark. Because <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> this this shot alone, yeah. I mean, yeah, and you got Samuel in both. <laughs> yeah, that is um, true. It was strange to me as I'm realizing that like we're probably here for the film. Mm-hmm. Like we've made the journey to this place. Who the fuck was that man <laughs> in the office, dude? Why? <laughs> it was Hammond. Why wasn't it just Samuel Jackson? I don't know. Yeah. It's his money. It seems like it's his company, but this random man is just sitting in the chair. I don't even think he spoke. Are you friends with Rennie Harlan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird. Because they said on uh, on IMDb, they said that that man is Samuel L. Jackson's boss. See, I don't get that. Yeah, I don't You either. can kind of get the way that he's sitting and he's standing. Uh-huh. Maybe that, but he doesn't speak. Like, in Samuel L. Jackson's, she's like, with your money. You know what I mean? It does yeah. not feel like he is beneath anyone well they kind of say that a few times throughout the film yeah yeah it being his cash yeah so yeah i don't know I don't <laughs> and okay when he's selling the character to samuel L. jackson to get him to play him uh-huh. he said you're playing the richest man in the world he told him that so that's number one 
Number two is we never get a scene later where he gets a phone call and he's like, oh, so it was the man in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said we got to close down. He's my boss. Right? Is that my man in the chair? Is that you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, sorry, sir. sir. Yes. <laughs> I was like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> it's just odd. So he's the richest man in the world. So you mean to say that he spared no expense? Oh. Uh, uh, very know. good. Very yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Jurassic Shark. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to say about this research facility. Mm-hmm. In some shots that we see it, I think when we see it through the helicopter, it's actually a miniature that's composited in. Okay. But when we're actually there in just a few moments, they actually built a set on top of large water tanks. Damn. Um, I'll talk a little bit later about these water tanks and tell you what they were built and used for mm-hmm. previously because it's kind of insane. Mm-hmm. But it's very interesting because there are some shots and this is what I'm talking about where the CG looks brilliant. Yeah. Because you'll dip down from the real set into the water to the miniature and See, stuff like that. That's really cool. Yeah. I, uh, that I can't, I couldn't tell. Not at no. all. But on the premises from behind a fence labeled Aquatica research limited access area steps Carter. He walks over to a group of uncredited workers who are lowering a large shark back into the water. They greet each other in Spanish, and the worker asks Carter what he thinks of the shark, saying it's a beautiful 12-footer and it wants to give him a kiss. Carter just laughs, saying that he bets she does, and notices a license plate sticking out of the shark's mouth. The worker jokes that it's a good deal, but lowers the shark back into the water at Carter's request. So this shark that we see in this shot is fully 100% mechanical. Mm -hmm. And the way that it moves and the way that it's operated, it's kind of surprising to learn that. Yeah, Yeah, it is. I learned that the sharks were designed by Walt Conti, who also worked on Free Willy and Anaconda. Damn, okay. So he's well-adapted creature design. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Apparently him and his team analyzed a ridiculous amount of shark footage Mm -hmm. so they can get these movements correct. And that's why scenes that we see where the shark is mechanical right it's very convincing yeah but they said that the interior of these mechanical sharks are filled with hydraulics and technology borrowed from aerospace technology uh, oh right. <laughs> all right i think they said they're each powered by a 1000 horsepower engine damn so it's that's how because when you see them rushing through the water yeah. i'm scared no, it yeah. looks good. It's, yeah. it's very good. I saw in an interview with Rennie Harlan, he said that it was 8,000 pounds. Holy shit. That mechanical shark. Yeah. Well, they had, I had read, because I, wa- I, was, I was curious to see how much bigger these sharks in the movie are that they were saying these movie these sharks are in this movie than Bruce was. Okay. But Bruce, in, in this movie, Bruce was, what, 25, 26 feet. Yeah. So I was like, oh, they're whatever. You know what I mean? But these sharks are the same size. Really? And I was like, there's, I was like he's got to be bigger. Nope. Because a, a real uh, short fin mako shark is... 10 to 12 feet. Okay. Long fin ones can grow to be 13 to 14 feet. But these in the movie are 25, 26 feet. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. man. So I was like, oh no, if, and there's what, three of them? Yeah. It, no, Bruce would have got fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Not trying to bring up two Final Fantasy games in one episode, <laughs> but whenever they kept saying Mako, I was just thinking Final Fantasy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I was like, so these sharks, are, yeah. they have their materials? You wow, know? how cool. Yeah, I'm even more scared now. <laughs> well, the water power. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to fight them. Later. Yeah. They just absorb <laughs> it. Yeah. They absorb all the water. Um, 
one thing I did want to add that Rennie Harlan talked a lot about on commentary was that differentiation between this film and Jaws. Mm -hmm. And you see Jaws is more quietly suspenseful especially early on where we do not see the shark right this film they show all oh, the yeah. shark yeah all the time and it's an interesting take on it because it really does set it apart from jaws in that way yeah if they were to have done it the way that jaws did it would have just invited more comparisons yeah i i i'll give it that i like that it went gills deep like i'm not even <laughs> that was very good I, i'm not even <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should be offended. You, or not. <laughs> that was censoring. Okay, okay. You make a film about a shark, you're going to get compared. Period. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like you, and then something that's coming up in a second, you oh, gotta, yeah. you know, you have to for sure. But at the landing pad, Susan and Franklin step off the seaplane and are immediately greeted by Janice Higgins, a marine biologist played by Jacqueline McKenzie, and you might remember her as Doctor Weaver on Malignant. Oh, <laughs> that's where the fuck I was like, man. This yeah, I was like, I don't want. I didn't want to look anything up because I, had, like I said, I want to watch the movie. But that's right. Yeah, it, <laughs> my mind is. <laughs> I was like, what is she from? It is. That's so yeah, and it's absolutely. Oh, what a fucking bonkers movie. <laughs> but Susan introduces Franklin to Janice, who she says will get him settled in. So this is where, and it's a very small thing, mm -hmm. but this is when I kind of was starting to not like Susan almost immediately because she just walks away like that's beneath her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the way that she did that, I was like, what's that about? Yeah. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's bad? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but Janice welcomes Franklin to their island paradise and Franklin asks where Tattoo is. He cracks a joke complete with an impression, but Janice is like, Right. <laughs> <laughs> Franklin just laments that he's getting old and follows Janice through the fence. So that joke was improv. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And Samuel Jackson said that he had to ask Rennie Harlan to keep it in the film. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. But, and I mean, I I understand he's saying he's old, but I mean, it's, it's a fantasy island. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know what the show's really about. It sounds sexual. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it was. It was on TV in the 80s. I yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I do know the name, but I have no yeah, idea. People, what it is. people didn't have sex in the eighties. Well, so. No, they. <laughs> I just don't TV? think that. Yeah, no, they did. They, they did. No, they still did. Well, but it was, it was a calmer time. <laughs> <laughs> it was a decorum, a yeah. more decorum for the time. decorum forum. We're trying to return <laughs> <laughs> to, the, to the golden years of the eighties. <laughs> take it back. <laughs> I take it back. I take it back. But Janice asks Franklin how much he knows about their facility, and he just requests that she treat him like a tourist. Janice jokes that she won't because she hates tourists, and she's already decided that she's going to like him. I was like, I like her. Yeah. yeah. I also want to say that imagine that you're Janice, though. He is the financier of this entire project. Yeah. I got nervous when I worked at the grocery store and the owners would come in. Yeah. This is $200 million. Yeah. yeah. I managed a wine section. <laughs> yeah. So, she's, I, mean, I mean, she's pretty chill. She's yeah. doing great. But Janice closes and locks the fence behind them, which seems to bother Franklin a little bit. He kind of looks back with a little bit of worry and the music grows kind of foreboding. I didn't know. It, it's just a fence, but yeah. he was really... I think it's the the immediate locking of it. Maybe he's like, oh, this actually is kind of dangerous, you know? 
But you should know. Yeah. He should know, but he clearly hasn't been out here. He didn't even know what it looked like. Yeah, but even hearing that, what's my money being used for? Oh, we got this float. We bought a floating island yeah. out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> oh, okay. with sharks in it. Yeah, it's filled with sharks. Yeah. That's <laughs> sharks. Like, well, wait, yeah. yeah. Even worse. Yeah. yeah. They got laser beams and shit. <laughs> Like so, yeah, and I that was wild to me to begin with that he dropped two hundred million dollars on this place, yeah. and he's like, so what is this island? He's the richest man in the world, like, <laughs> or I'm his sorry. or his bosses, yeah. <laughs> the man it's in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> but in the deep waters in front of the facility, Franklin notices Carter swimming beneath the surface. His reaction to this is muted until he sees a massive shark swimming nearby, right on Carter's tail. Franklin shouts, hey, but nobody else seems to meet his urgency. Carter just continues swimming as the shark gets closer to him. And at the last minute, Carter's like, too fast. And, <laughs> and swims right out of the way, grabbing hold of the shark as it passes and being taken for a ride while clutching its fin. That's literally in my notes is that he did not just too fast a fucking <laughs> yeah. shark. I did see in that making of video that... Thomas Jane really did go down there and swim with real sharks. What? Yeah, and they had like expert divers and stuff on the boat and he was like, you need to make sure that your arms are kept in. You need to not do this. You need to not do that. <laughs> he was like, we're going to be swimming here all day so you're going to get used to being with them. Don't get used to being with them. They, he's what? like, they're, the teeth, they're razor sharp and they'll just gnash them together. That'll rip your whole arm off. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so I'd like to talk about a stunt double. Yeah. yeah. But and Thomas Jane was visibly scared and yeah. he was like, I've been afraid of sharks since Jaws. Mm -hmm. He was like, I'm scared. And so when they finished, he came back up and he was like, I survived. Yeah. <laughs> well, how are you going to tell me get used to him, but don't but get don't, used to yeah. him? Like, he's like, don't get complacent. Like, we can go all day without an incident, but don't get lazy. Don't get, you know, because okay, okay. they had him. And I think um, I know that Rennie Harlan went down as well. Mm -hmm. um, but they were swimming to a cage, but they swam with the sharks to get to the cage. And, um, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. And it was him. I mean, it was Thomas Jane. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any movies were. No. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the moment that we realize that this is the shark that they just lowered into the water as Carter reaches into its mouth to retrieve the license plate stuck in its teeth. He tosses it onto the dock at the feet of Susan and climbs up the stepladder, making one hell of an entrance. Susan notices the license plate is from Louisiana, and Carter says that he assumes that the shark was bought in a pet shop in Baton Rouge. He says he ate everything in his fish tank and then ate the guy who bought him. <laughs> <laughs> he then, okay, he goes on a little too far because he posits that the shark stole the owner's truck, filled it with water, drove to Baja, and picked his teeth clean with the truck's license plate. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, and you take a joke too far. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> wow. It's like, it's then, like, he, okay. then he stayed at a red roof inn. <laughs> right? A because red roof inn. <laughs> it's like, and sharks can't drive at night. No. So it's like, Thomas. Right. No more. This, no more. Yeah. No. This, none no. of this is in the script. <laughs> Complimentary breakfast is at six. It's like, Jesus Christ. Will you stop? <laughs> You were a hero two seconds ago, and now you're just annoying. <laughs> Ready did that cool roll out of the way. Yeah, you're ruining it. Yeah. yeah, and we know they would have pulled that shark over. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> None of this makes all right. <laughs> but as the shark just swims around behind him, unmonitored, 
Carter climbs onto the ladder and in a more serious tone tells Susan that they need to talk. Susan nods, but just tells him that they'll talk later before walking off. Janice walks by Carter, introducing him to Franklin, and we learn that Franklin is the president of Chimera Pharmaceuticals. The president? Yeah. So what's that? <laughs> what's the man in the, the chair? Yeah. <laughs> the super president. <laughs> <laughs> but the men shake hands, and Franklin tells Carter that what he just did was incredible. Carter brushes it off, saying that sharks don't like the taste of people very much. He picks up the license plate, telling Franklin that sharks only bite you because they think you're a fat little seal or a rich suit. Franklin's smile fades as Carter hands him the license plate, telling him that it was nice meeting him. Oh, so you hate me. (laughs) Great. Nice to meet you. I don't even know you, dude. (laughs) I thought it was interesting. The license plate uh, that he takes out of the shark's mouth is the same license plate uh, or a replica of the one taken out of the tiger shark in Jaws. Yes, I... Whenever they showed it and they had talked about it on commentary, I went and looked back and it's straight up. That's cr- that's so cool. <laughs> it's just such a cool little. But then you're like, if if this license plate exists here, yeah, are we? Is this the shared universe? Well, so it was the tiger shark that did all those atrocities. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense. It's smaller. It can fit in the truck. He's fleeing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's fleeing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I killed that guy back there. <laughs> Just die your dorsal fins. They won't even know. Just fucking get to an airport. Get to an airport. Or a boat. A boat. A boat. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Think, Sharky. Think. Oh. So then he was trying to just get on the the boat. Yeah, that's it. He's like, he's trying to escape. (laughs) Get me the fuck out of here. (laughs) But after Carter walks away, Franklin sarcastically remarks that this is a friendly place. But Janet says that he got full sentences from Carter. Usually he just kind of nods. No, right? I mean, they were rude sentences. <laughs> I'd rather I get a nod. Yeah. <laughs> but she cuts to the chase, saying that word gets around fast, and she knows why he's here. Franklin asks her if the shark that Carter just wrangled was the shark that escaped, but Janice says no, and that small sharks like that are the normals. She directs his attention to another area of water where they keep the test sharks, two first-generation sharks and one second-generation female. Did she just say that shark was little? Yes, she did. That's concerning. Yeah, I was taking a full-grown man for a ride, but yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, look, it's so little. Well, the second gen, that's... uh. Yeah. So they're just kind of reproducing now, huh? I that I've never heard... So are the, these sharks were born here? Or? Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I do not know. It, it really surprised me that they were calling them like first gen and second gen. Yeah. yeah. Like they're iPhones or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shark yeah the first gen was like a million years ago <laughs> so i'm just i'm confused by that a lot <laughs> or is it the same model yeah i mean yeah, very confusing i don't know <laughs> and we don't find out nope. <laughs> <laughs> but the camera hangs overhead as we see a large disturbance under the water as one of the sharks swims by janice says that beneath the glassy surface of the water is a world of gliding monsters We get a POV shot from one of those monsters scoping them out. She admits that it's scary, and Franklin agrees. But just then, a call goes out over the radio tower. We cut to the tower, where Brenda Kearns, the tower operator played by Ida Turturro, tells the captain of a transport vessel that she's picking up a small storm on her radar about 30 miles out. 
not Janice Soprano. Yes. <laughs> I was very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel bad because there's somebody named Janice in this movie. I know. Yeah. And so there were so many times that I typed Janice for Brenda in my notes and <laughs> I had to like, go wait, back. Wait, that's not you. And I thought under the boardwalk. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I couldn't stop laughing <laughs> when Tony got what was coming yeah, to him. he did. <laughs> he deserved a punch. He deserved it. Fucking asshole. <laughs> I seen her and I was like, I know she looks really familiar. Uh-huh. So I did look and I was like, oh, they're going to oh. love that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But the captain copies, saying that they'll be all right out there. Brenda is all smiles, so I assume she either loves her job or is nursing a crush on the captain. <laughs> My note is she loves her job. <laughs> <laughs> but she presses a button on her stereo, and I can see clearly now by Johnny Nash begins to play as she dances in the window of the tower. A large batch of workers are seen getting onto the transport vessel, saying goodbye to Janice on their way. One of the people is friend of Janice, played by Tasha Thomas, who is a friend of Rennie Harlan's. Oh, she was visiting set that day mm-hmm. and the person next to her is Rennie Harlan. <laughs> <laughs> he said they had to do like 20 takes just getting him to walk proper. Damn. He goes, I will never be in another one of my phones. Oh my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> but Franklin asks where everyone is going and still wounded. He goes, do they hate me too? <laughs> <laughs> me? That's yeah. I felt that. No. Yeah. But Janice says that they're just going home because they run a skeleton crew on the weekends. But they probably do hate him. (laughs) (laughs) She looks off in the distance and points to Dr. Jim Whitlock, played by Stellan Skarsgård, calling him the most brilliant man ever. Not Papa Skarsgård. I was not expecting to see him. He is great. Man, I... I, I see. I didn't know that. I don't know him as yeah. You know, Pennywise's yeah. dad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, he's in the Thor movie. You know, yes, yeah. he is. I was like, yeah. Uh, uh, that, uh, so I got pretty excited, and then when I told your sister, she was like, oh yeah, it's, it's yeah. the dad. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, he's he's he started yeah. it. <laughs> but he stands atop a concrete column, unashamedly going number one. <laughs> going number one. Well, what else do you call it? Going pee pee. Yeah, he's pissing. He is, yeah. well, he's pissing in the water. Look, if yeah. I said if I said that, then I I ruin Franklin's line next. Fair enough. Franklin remarks, he's pissing into the wind. <laughs> <laughs> How smart can he be? But Janice just tells him, "You'll see." As Brenda continues dancing to the music, Carter is in his boat, readying the harpoon with a dose of a tranquilizer. Tom Scoggins, played by Michael Rappaport, approaches the boat, asking Carter what happened with the shark, assuming that he missed the first shot the night before. I was so surprised to see him. I did not remember him being in this either. Yeah. Um, lately, I see him. He's a big Real Housewives fan. Really? <laughs> yeah, he'll even go on, like, Watch What Happens Live and stuff, and he he talks that shit. Like, he watches, you can tell. Because <laughs> he'll be like, no, because she blah, blah, blah. Like, he watches them. It's very funny to me. I remember he was everywhere for a little while. He was in yeah. True Romance, The Sixth Day, Higher Learning. Like he, he was doing stuff. Yeah, he was on an episode of Night Visions. Oh yeah, he okay. sure was. <laughs> He's like, don't talk the dark or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or don't turn. 
yeah. yeah, that's a real Don't science. Turn <laughs> Don't turn <laughs> off the dark. He was scared. Yeah. <laughs> he was in the dark. <laughs> he was very frightened. <laughs> you know, you see, here's the thing when you're too focused on doing a bad Rappaport impression. Yeah. You the don't words don't speak matter. In real sentences. Yeah. yeah. I remember also as a kid watching um he was on Friends. Was he? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I think he dated Phoebe. Okay. Really? Yeah. There was like a group, probably like a season of Friends when I was like, I don't know, 10, <laughs> that I watched over and over and over. And he he was in those. They were eating sandwiches. He was a cop. <laughs> I love how you made right. it like, yeah. <laughs> like those two things are related. <laughs> Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, always playing, get a sandwich in his hand. <laughs> Otherwise, they won't realize he's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> Don't turn off the dark. <laughs> Don't turn off the dark. <laughs> but Carter tells him that it took two shots to slow the shark. It was "Don't leave me in the dark." <laughs> <laughs> Don't turn off the dark. Is in my yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Dracula says. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> Carter tells him it took two shots to slow the shark down, which shocks Scoggins, who says that two hits would kill a shark. Carter reacts annoyed, and Scoggins just says that Carter doesn't want to admit that he missed the first shot. Carter just tells Scoggins that if he hadn't have left the pen open the night before, he would have been able to get a good night's sleep. But Scoggins gets defensive immediately, saying that he told the doctors that he locked the pin like he does every single night and that the shark must have found another way out. Carter clearly doesn't believe this at all, but after Scoggins boasts that he's trustworthy, Carter asks how high the fences around the facility are off the water. When he starts to get all scientific, Carter asks him to dumb it down and he gets his answer. Eight feet. Carter then directs his attention to the sharks, suspiciously eyeing them as they swim around. So this to me is, I mean, it's a little bit of a clue that these sharks are kind of not thinking like regular sharks. Right. Yeah. The fact that a lock, this, this means nothing to us. Yeah. yeah. So what are you doing? Well, I think they do it in a clever way because we don't know Scoggins. No. Mm. So maybe he did forget, you know, but it plants that seed of like, but maybe he did. <laughs> maybe he didn't know. Well, but he has a nightly routine. He locks the gate. He turns off the dark. <laughs> 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 the real question was if the dark was still on. Yes, because then the sharks. Yeah, then he didn't lie. They can just do whatever they want. <laughs> but while riding an elevator with Franklin deeper into the facility, Janice apologizes for making the place sound like a mental hospital. She admits that it kind of is, but that almost everyone here is the top of their game. Almost? Yeah. yeah. I kind of feel like we need ev everyone to be at the top of the It's game. very important that we're all at the top of our game. Yeah. And they never say who isn't. Well, yeah. again, I wonder if that's to kind of make us think maybe Scoggins. Okay. You know? She's still pissed at him for not locking the gate. Yeah. All right. All right. But we then get a shot of Carter walking the perimeter of the fence as the sun sets behind Aquatica. Janice's voiceover says that living below is like living in space. You don't get very many mistakes. The camera dips down into the water as Janice shares the details of the structure. Aside from the half a mile of catwalks, Franklin's financing bought them titanium-based fencing around all the lagoons and pens. She says there are three sublevels. The first is the living quarters, the second is the wet lab and workshops, while the third level is reserved for engineering and airlock wet entry. 
As the elevator reaches its destination, Janice goes to unlock the gate, welcoming Franklin to Aquatica. They arrive without incident, but the way that they've been treating him so far, I was kind of expecting the prank that they played in House on Haunted Hill. <laughs> <laughs> it's not supposed to do this. Yeah. <laughs> That's honestly, yes. <laughs> I like this idea, though. Like I said, I do enjoy them being here. What I was thinking of was uh, a little bit of Rapture from Bioshock. Yeah. Um, it, it, it. This is a cool little setting. I mm-hmm. will say that I do enjoy them being here in this little facility. Bioshock is so good. It is. <laughs> Samuel Jackson had said that this elevator was not operational and that whenever they were actually on it, it's the walls that are moving only. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like giving you the, the illusion. Yeah. But it's just movie magic. Man. I love that. Yeah. And this was that was the shot I was talking about where I said it dipped into the water and the facility became a miniature. Mm-hmm. It's it's seamless. Yeah, yeah, that is that's really really impressive. And that's what when I had watched that interview with Rennie Harlan, he had said that that's what he because they used such a mix of like the mechanical shark mm-hmm. and then CGI and then also real sharks and he just wanted the integration to be seamless and at times that's not, mm-hmm. but that is. That yes. definitely like, that aspect of it. It's incredible. Even the water you see moving above is CG. That, that is very like, surprising. Yeah. yeah. But in the lab, Susan opens her locker to retrieve a floppy disk, but is momentarily distracted by movement in the water outside of her cabin window. She refocuses, snagging the disk and popping it into her computer. On it is a diagram of a shark's brain, and Susan begins her research on stereotactic aspiration of a second-generation Elasmo branch. So this is a very fancy way, stereotactic aspiration, mm-hmm. brain biopsy, second generation elasma branch is uh, like sh- Shark Junior, I guess. Okay. Whoa, whoa, slow down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but can I play number munchers on that thing? I think you can do whatever. It's the it's the nineties. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or play. that weird bomb game that nobody knew. Yeah. How to play. <laughs> yeah, dude. Minesweeper. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Brittany actually told me how. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. She's magic because. It's just cl- it's random clicking. That's what I thought. And then you explode and you cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the end of it. You remember that game we played when we were kids and like you skied down that hill? Oh, I, that's literally what I was thinking of. And, and then, then the giant rat monster? comes. Yeah. <laughs> fucking eats you. Is that a risk of snowboarding? I'll never go. <laughs> that's why I've never that's gone. Why, yeah. It's not because I can never afford. That's so <laughs> weird. I was thinking about that when you said yeah, that. Yeah, dude. Probably because that was another game that I was just randomly clicking on. <laughs> <laughs> Was it ski free? I don't remember, man. It was scary. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> I did want to say as well, they said something very interesting on commentary with these. You see the windows where they look out and it's just open ocean. Mm-hmm. What they did on these sets is they built the set around these basically fish tanks. Okay. And so what's in the windows, there are no windows. It's literally just glass and water. Oh, wow. That's pretty smart. Yeah, Yeah. because it's effective. Yeah. It works every time because it's in the kitchen. It's in. Yeah. yeah. But as she goes over the procedure, Jim walks into the lab. She asks him if he's dosed the Gen 2 shark with the serum yet. And Jim says that Carter did it as soon as Susan called from the city. She goes over to look at a model of a shark, removing the top of its head to look at its brain. Jim says the Gen 2 should be ready by tomorrow night, but they won't be ready. He says it's two months ahead of schedule and they're skipping three rounds of preliminary trials. 
Susan begins to practice the procedure with steady hands, telling Jim that they have no choice. She says that you wait your whole life for a single moment, and then one day, it's tomorrow. It's like, you made it tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. But- you were the one, give me 48 hours. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'd be like, sir, give me three months, please. It's yeah. like, no, it's like Gordon Ramsay when he's like, I've got 24 hours. You did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was your choice. Yeah, you named the show. <laughs> and if we miss those other appointments, why? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is dangerous, man. This is the shit that you don't do. What we yeah. were talking about at the top. Mm-hmm. But on the third level, Franklin walks across the metal grates of the floor, seawater underneath, asking Carter what exactly a shark wrangler does. The camera surveys the high ceilings and circular patterned opening at the center of the floor as Carter says that a shark wrangler is exactly what it sounds like. Franklin asks how he ended up at Aquatica, and Carter just says that the pay is good and he likes the water. Franklin then notices an argon mask at Carter's workstation and picks it up excitedly. He says he did some wreck diving in one of them off the coast of Spain. He admits that it's a little touristy, and Carter just pays him no mind at all. At all. (laughs) Franklin asks if he likes wreck diving, and Carter just says, it's okay. He then cuts through the bullshit, telling Franklin that out on the water, the cat and mouse thing doesn't float. He asks Franklin if he's the man, and Franklin says that he is. So Carter says that the man always has a file, and he asks what his says. I was like, oh, okay. Like, because mm-hmm. this whole time I'm like, what are you getting at? Yeah. It and was very awkward. It's clear you're working towards something. Yes, yeah. Can you please just say it? Without hesitation, Franklin just replies that Carter spent two years in Leavenworth for smuggling. Hey, I was there for five. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> when he said that, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see this guy? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> like, no, <but> I- <laughs> He kept to himself. Yeah. <laughs> Usually just nods, right? Yeah. No full sentences. Just grunt. <laughs> but Carter doesn't deny this and instead just counters by asking Franklin how he made his money, asking if he's the first rich guy in history whose hands are clean. Franklin asks Carter if he understands his concern, but Carter just says that he's got a workable deal here. He doesn't make waves and he meets the terms of his parole. When he said that, I was like, okay, he already said, it it, it don't float. And I was like, I don't make way. I'm like, are yeah. you just water puns? <laughs> He's the Punisher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, you're Very my favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> but he says he's not here to change the world like Susan, but he's not here to wreck it either. Franklin just walks away without a word. So they said on commentary that a lot of these sets were built on top of massive water tanks Mm -hmm. and they were actually reused from when James Cameron filmed Titanic. Oh, shit. That's wild. They said that below this set that we see in this scene is 30 feet of water. Damn. And on other sets, the water is computer controlled. And so you can just pop in program. We need a 40 foot wave and boom, you got it. What? Just wild. And they said that they use that technology and we see it yeah. a little bit later. But they said that other sets were built to simulate being under the sea. Mm-hmm. And there's a very interesting thing that comes up later with the laboratory that we see. Okay. And the way that it's built and the way that they used it and operated it. And it's really kind of amazing. And I'll bring it up when we get to it. All right. In every interview I saw with him and in that making of, he made it a point to say that these are the biggest tanks in the world. <laughs> well, like he said, he said it every single time. Well, on one of the things he said, he goes, and then we just, we have these uh, tanks underneath and we fill it with millions of gallons of water. Millions? Just, yes. Just that, just that 
concept is yeah. difficult to even comprehend. Jeez, man. I think the my the water cooler is like a five gallon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope you're putting that water back or doing something. 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 Yeah. Instead of being like, no, throw out the water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> waste it. Just waste yeah. it. We don't need it anymore. <laughs> but we cut to the kitchen where we find Sherman Preacher Dudley, played by LL Cool J. I okay. So first of all, we've we've spoken a lot about LL Cool J already. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think he does great in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was very surprised to learn on commentary that when the script was originally written, mm-hmm. it was supposed to be two chefs in this um thing, and it was playing off of each other, a dynamic the entire film. Okay. But the thing was, they didn't know who was going to be cast as the second chef, but the part of Preacher was originally offered to Samuel L. Jackson. What? Huh. Yeah. And so he was going to be this role for the okay. film. The problem was the role originally written was a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. And whenever Samuel L. Jackson's agents found out about it, they rejected it on his behalf because it's not worthy of, of him. Yeah. Right. And so that is why Russell Franklin as a character was created. Oh, <laughs> so that's that man that was in the office was just left over. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Maybe well, you could have took him out. To be yeah. him. <laughs> you could have just taken him out. He's like an unanimated. Just <laughs> <laughs> he could have been a mannequin. Really, it was, it was no, he didn't no say purpose. a word. No, at all. Take him out of the chair. Yeah. Let Sam sit down. <laughs> yes, I don't. He's well, like, I'll, I'll take it from here. Um, <laughs> It was funny to me, though, that they everybody else went home and they run a skeleton crew, but they needed the chef to stay. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is, they're like, well, you need home-cooked meals. Yeah. Yeah. Not, we're not, Can't be scrounging for ourselves. No, we're not surrounded <laughs> by fish or anything. <laughs> but Preacher makes his way over to the oven to pull out two large cake pans while Get the Money by DJ Quick and High C is heard in the background. Also heard in the background are random insults a high-pitched voice calling Preacher an asshole and a dickhead. He probably learned that listening to DJ Quick because he's <laughs> nasty as fuck. <laughs> Good stuff, though. <laughs> like, but be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny because the whole movie, I was like, where did the... Because we'll learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, where did he learn this? But yeah, that makes yeah. sense. But we see the culprit fly into frame. It's a parrot with its voice provided by Frank Welker. So Frank Welker is an absurdly prolific voice actor. Okay. He's played Fred Jones since the original 1960s Scooby-Doo. Really? I knew yes. I recognized Damn. the name. Yeah. And the funny thing is that he only he not only plays Fred Jones still to this day, mm-hmm. he now plays Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> he got a promotion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Scooby-Doo, man. I just want to say that. great. Remember the Scooby-Doo Sega game? Of course I remember the Scooby-Doo. <laughs> it was well, so good. Well, you lied to me, so of course. Here's the thing. Oh, I, I did. You did lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was a child. I was a young, innocent child with an impressionable mind. and I'm 22 months older than you. You're still older. <laughs> <laughs> it's a one-player game, and you played as Shaggy Rogers and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> government name. <laughs> norville i believe his name. yeah um but you play as shaggy and scooby kind of follows you around mm-hmm. i was lied to and told that scooby-doo was controlled by the second controller right and so i'm playing and i'm like why is he never going anywhere that i want him <laughs> I was to like, it'll catch up it'll like, catch it's, up. it's it's a, it's a lagging <laughs> issue <laughs> i was like nay i can't play 
<laughs> I cried and cried. No, you were pleased until you found out. <laughs> I swear, man. This Ignorance is, is bliss. No, this is this is my villain arc. <laughs> this is the fucking origin Scooby-Doo. story. Yeah, the beginning. And I, you would have gotten away with it too. That, <laughs> that game was so fun, though. Oh, it was. On the DVD commentary, uh, they said that they couldn't afford to get a trained Hollywood bird for this. <laughs> so they ended up going and using two separate parrots from Mexico City. Mm-hmm. One that was really good at like flying around and coming back. <laughs> And another one that was really good at just sitting. <laughs> <laughs> so this film costs like $60 million. Well, I mean, I think they just kind of ran out after a minute. And <laughs> they're not like, in the budget. Yeah, we, yeah. Let's just some birds, some birds. <laughs> they're like, we bought the bird, right? <laughs> like, oh, no. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, but like if you zoom out, you don't really need the bird. No, <laughs> really. Still, they're like, yeah. no, get two of them. <laughs> get two regular birds. <laughs> <laughs> well, they talked, I, I heard on the commentary, they talked about whether or not they, because they went back and forth on the screenplay of if they even needed the bird. Yeah. But then it's just funny to me that they don't get the bird they need <laughs> yeah and they're like no keep the bird <laughs> <laughs> we can't afford yeah. it no it's there already we need it, yeah. Yeah. everybody's expecting <laughs> a bird <laughs> it doesn't do anything not at all i will say though that when i saw this bird i did begin to get a little nervous because birds have not had much Ooh. luck on yeah. pod <laughs> dude it's been a bad run yeah it's unbelievable <laughs> what's happening to these birds. But through squawks, the parrot says that Preacher has a big fat butt. <laughs> you were struggling. I, to was. Get <laughs> I realized I was like, this is the funniest sentence I've ever written. <laughs> but Preacher just scoops up a bit of frosting on his finger, telling the bird playfully that he's on his last nerve. He threatens to drown the bird and get himself a cat instead as he feeds it some frosting. Birds love it. Uh, <laughs> I got to say, the amount of angles <laughs> and the length of time that we spent watching this bird eat icing. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. You know what happened is the second bird got jealous. And so they're like, no, yeah. get him. Yeah. <laughs> we'll shoot both birds. We got to get both of them. <laughs> right, they both need frosting. Yeah, <laughs> They've earned it. Yeah. It is pretty... Um, unsanitary as well for him to be cooking and this bird's just hanging out because like later we see him he's like sitting in a bowl yeah, it's yeah. Like- <laughs> and if birds are known for anything it is shitting indiscriminately shit, yeah, yeah no I shit i just got shit on a bird <laughs> shit on a bird i just got shit on fire bird you did what yeah <laughs> a bird shit on me a couple months ago you're changing the story a little <laughs> it's disgusting Hey, JP, do you have any comments on this? Because <laughs> we're just going to freeze me out. <laughs> gonna I don't know what around. she's talking about. Yeah, that's weird as hell. She's um, shitting on birds. I don't yeah. know how she got up there. She's <laughs> <on me. laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> but just then, loud rumbles are heard outside, and Preacher directs his attention to the kitchen window. Staring out into the water, Preacher says it's feeding time. The camera pushes through the window and across the way through the water to find Carter in diving gear, swimming through a fenced-in corridor to the shark pens. Scoggins calls in on the radio that he'll release the tiger shark in 30 seconds and Carter copies. Scoggins then walks across a catwalk, asking the other sharks if they're hungry before he pushes a lever, dropping the tiger shark into the water. It's the fastest 30 seconds ever. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) 
Carter peers through the fence, watching transfixed as three sharks devour the tiger shark in moments, ripping it to shreds as blood imbues the blue hues of the sea. That was a great line. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is this okay? That's cannibalism. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I, I think in the uh, animal kingdom, they they kill not that they kill each other all the time, but uh-huh. I think. They're gu- you know what I mean? I don't know if they're even going to really eat them. They're probably just killing them to kill them. Oh, you don't belong here. Let's get rid of you. It just wow. seems wrong. Oh. Yeah. It just seems wrong. Remember on um the, was it like the South Park? Or no, was it Comedy Central? I can't remember when they were feeding that pig bacon. That's cruel. And we were like, yeah. this is not the South Park guys. Yeah. yeah. We were like, this is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> stop this. Yeah. watching this. <laughs> But this sequence is kind of what we're talking about with the amalgamation of all these different mediums Mm -hmm. because we have combinations of real sharks that were shot on film in the Bahamas. Okay. We have mechanical sharks that were shot in the tanks on the set and then completely CG sharks. And they said that they hoped that people wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Yeah. And this sequence for me, I feel like for the most part, you don't. Right. There's one later that I'm like, is that from fucking Shark Tale? Yeah. <laughs> what? There's a couple. <laughs> Not Shark Tale. <laughs> what? what was that? <laughs> There's a couple times. Is that Shark from Nemo? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> but in the tower, Brenda calls into Susan, telling her that they have a situation and says for her to get to the surface level. The call echoes over a shot of the Aquatica facility in the darkness of night. Susan makes her way up, and as she steps off the elevator, she just says, Hello? Very lowly. <laughs> which, why, you know you, the call is in the tower. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. Hello, <laughs> I do want to say I love the colors of this shot. It's the yellow fluorescence, the blue of the night. Mm-hmm. It's very pleasing to the eye. I believe they're either complementary colors or something that makes it to where this always looks good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the cinematographer was Stephen Winden. He also, okay, I'll say he shot seven out of the 10 Fast and Furious movies. Okay. Oh. But he also shot the House of Wax remake. Hell all yeah. Right. <laughs> Which we're all more excited about. Yeah. <laughs> but suddenly, a flare is shot into the sky, bursting in a red arc over the facility, followed by a second one. Susan stares off at them confused, but behind her, the lights switch on, and underneath a banner and colorful bulbs, the skeleton crew calls out, surprise, and wishes Susan a happy birthday. So, okay. A surprise party right on the heels of what we just saw yeah. was very jarring. I know you spoke about the editing earlier about how in some places it's a little strange. This was a big one for me. True. Yeah, I I'm not gonna lie. I didn't I didn't like this. It was a little cheesy for me and kind of predictable. I knew something was gonna happen, but I was like, "You're not gonna go right away." <laughs> it's like it's a birthday or it's a something. Yeah, yeah. And then when they do, and they were like, "Happy birthday!" I was like, oh, "God, like, all right." But I think that's <laughs> just what it was. Was it? It is that from what we just seen to this. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. It was a, it was a little weird. It was. Well, it's just funny because it's her birthday f- to suit the scene. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody, yeah. Man, what a shitty birthday this yeah, turned out to be. It never gets brought up again. <laughs> it really doesn't. No. <laughs> That's fucked up. The other thing as well that I didn't even think about was 
Franklin visiting this facility after kind of a mishap and a shark attack. Yeah. Very similar to the lawyer visiting Jurassic Park after the oh the okay. death of the employee. Worker, yeah. yeah. You're very right. He's like, they're breathing down our neck. <laughs> the man in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> but we cut to the birthday party in full swing. Brenda dancing up a storm as El Paraiso Rico by Dita plays in the background. Preacher talks shit about the music selection, but in a wide shot, we see everyone else grooving on it. I was like, why do you hate it? Yeah, I didn't understand that. He's probably mad because everybody else gets to party and he's working the bar. Oh, yeah. I'd be fucking mad, too. I was like, why is he still working? He's still in his whites and everything. He's like, I didn't get to pick the music. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this doesn't seem fair. It was wild to me because I thought that he was just there with everyone. Right. Because you see him in the shot before when he's there wishing happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, no, get to work. Get (laughs) behind the fucking It's like, what? Right, your 30's been over. (laughs) Yeah. You better clock in. (laughs) He's the only one. Yeah. (laughs) It's not fair. But Carter joins the proceedings, and Janice asks him to join them on the dance floor. Franklin approaches the bar, asking Preacher for a vodka and complimenting his cooking. And that's when I realized that's why he was making a cake. Yeah. Oh, for the party. Yeah. He's like, I I hope you guys like feathers. (laughs) 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 Or droppings. Yeah, either way. (laughs) Preacher recognizes Franklin as the guy who got stuck in that avalanche, but Franklin just smokes a cigar, admitting that it was him. Preacher admonishes him, saying it's as if black men don't have enough ways to get killed without climbing up some stupid-ass mountain in the middle of nowhere. He tells Franklin to leave that to the white folks. Franklin just smiles and walks away. I mean, on one hand, I get what you're saying, Uh Mm -hmm. but on the other, if the man wants to climb a mountain... Let him climb a fucking mountain. Yeah. He's the richest man in the world. <laughs> Put me in your will. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be real nice to this yeah. guy. Um, and it made me laugh because the way that Franklin walks away, he's like, uh, we're going to need a new chef. Yeah. <laughs> Get that guy out of here. <laughs> but Carter breezes past the party, finding Susan all on her own, staring pensively at the water. He asks sheepishly, happy birthday? And Susan says that she'll let him know tomorrow. She asks how life is underwater, and Carter admits that it's a lot less complicated than it is on the surface. Susan commends his work with the tiger shark earlier and says he'll have to show her one day how he learned to do that. Carter says that if she takes him up on that beer offer one day, he will. Susan purses her lips a little, telling Carter that he knows that she's all work. But, like he said, one day. Okay, so we're doing a will they, won't they thing in the mm. middle of all of this? Apparently. Apparently. Um, Don't care for it. No. No. I care. F- well, we'll talk. We'll talk <laughs> later. <laughs> but back at the party, Janice shares a few facts about sharks with Franklin. Not only do they never get cancer or go blind, but they also never show any loss of brain activity as they age. Jim adds that sharks are the oldest creatures on the planet, from a time when the world was just flesh and teeth. It's a very terrifying way to put it. <laughs> Everything that he says is the most terrifying way to put it. Every <laughs> Whatever you say. He opens his mouth, you're like, Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> and now I'm scared. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> He's making it a horror film. <laughs> but Janice explains that with the use of a hormonal enhancer, they increased a female shark's forebrain to five times its normal size to harvest more protein. She says that the protein may reactivate, but Jim corrects her. It will. Janice crosses her fingers, 
saying that the protein that will reactivate human brain cells is stored in the forebrain of the shark. Franklin answers almost sarcastically that he's amazed that they've come so far without genetic tampering. Janice says that genetic engineering to increase brain mass is in direct violation of the Harvard Genetics Compact, not to mention Chimera Company policy. But did you not just say that you added or- hor- hormones? <laughs> you added hormones <laughs> to increase the size of the brain. Wow. No, that's no but you just said that. You did. And so he's like, but you didn't even... But she did you they did but then later she's like motherfucker i I felt like i had severely missed something yeah because i thought in this scene we had already established it and like you said when it comes up later it's a mic drop moment but i'm like i I, if i knew that y'all knew that yeah well and and she says it like check this shit out Yeah. yeah this is what we did and even weirder is franklin who kind of He's like, it's amazing we did all this without genetic tampering. Wink, wink. Yeah. yeah. He clearly knows yeah. genetics okay. have been tampered with. We did. I, yeah. I'm so glad because I that confused me a lot. The way that they react later. No, yeah. I I I thought that maybe I same thing. I was like, I don't. I was like, did they say and they didn't mean to say that? Yeah, but I'm you like, did tell us that already. Then yeah. I misheard something, but I didn't. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then I was a little confused because I'm like, okay, so they're making it sound illegal. And I was like, maybe that's why they're on the water and they're only subject to maritime law. Right. Like, where's Cherith? Cute story when you need him. <laughs> but um, I, I didn't understand because I didn't know if Franklin was testing her to ask that question. Right. Or if he's like, we all know we're breaking the yeah. law. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't get it. <laughs> I know what you guys are doing. Yeah. Here. This is highly illegal and unethical, right, guys? <laughs> well, it, it I was curious, so I did look it up and it is a thing you can't like it but it goes a little more deeper than that okay but it is a thing you're not allowed to do the embryo switching and the implanting and this and that but it, i was like oh shit like cross yeah spe- well, so i mean it's, yeah we, we should yeah. Yeah, that's probably not wise <laughs> <laughs> but i the end that the thing is is you're exactly right is the mic drop moment that this leads to yeah when the mic's already on the floor. <laughs> it's already down. And I was like, surely I misheard then. But hearing you recap it, no. Yeah, nope. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. That's weird, right? <laughs> yeah. But we cut to Carter walking with Susan along the docks, telling her that the sharks are hunting in packs like wild dogs and that they'll only eat other sharks. Susan just says that Carter is reading too much into it, but he asks if he's reading too much into the fact that a Gen 1 shark attacked a 25-foot boat. Concerned, she asks if Carter told Franklin about this, and he replies that he's just the fish keeper. But he says that bringing in that shark ahead of schedule was a very bad idea. Out of nowhere, Susan just asks Carter if he likes his job. He asks her if he's being threatened, and she tells him that he's not, but if they don't pull off the test tomorrow, they're all out on the street. Thought that was a little dramatic, really. I mean, yeah. You're going to be on a boat first. Yeah. <laughs> There's no well, streets well, well, Aquatica well, or whatever. On the cool, I'm sure you guys got a little cushion money. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, th- I'm out yeah, on the we're, street. Yeah, we're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be fine. But Susan comes at him with the gloves off, telling him, now you're a good man, Carter, but with your background... Carter understands completely and walks away from her a bit wounded to stare off alone into the lagoon. So to me, 
this was the moment she's irredeemable to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. There is no hero arc. There is no, re- you're a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> He's trying to warn you about a legit danger that is going on. And you're like, okay, ex-con, like you're fucked if this doesn't, it, yeah. what, like that is, you're a piece of shit. That is wild. In that moment. And he was not this bad <laughs> as in being rude. Yeah. She became the film's John Hammond. Yeah. In that moment. Oh yeah. So and again, these Jurassic Shark references will not <laughs> stop. You can't you can't stop. Won't but, stop. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny to me because when she got off that helicopter, the triumphant music that plays, I was like, Oh, she's our hero. Yeah. That's the thing. And I mean, her again, we talked about the noble pursuit. And even though she's obviously doing it the wrong way, you right. understand why she is so motivated to do it with her backstory and yeah. just the fact that it could save so many people. So you're like, yeah, I, the method is wrong, but I can appreciate the goal. So in my mind, there is going to be this redemption arc where she's like, oh, you know, I have been, whatever. There's going to be a redemption arc. But her saying this, it's like, oh no, you're just, uh, you're just the villain. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you're just fucking awful. Yeah, and th- this is again, uh, not me again relating with the Punisher, but <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is something that does that people do think. Yeah, you'll always just be an ex-con to somebody, no matter how much you change, how rehabilitated you've been, or you've not gotten in trouble or whatever you that's just what they're gonna look at you that's why it's so disgusting and for you to need this dude and what he's bringing to the table for your organization and then to just dangle that in front of him will keep your mouth shut or i mean it's gonna be hard for you to find a job that is like i was like what i was very upset and he's he has been busting his ass Yeah. yeah for how long for you we just saw him too fast. A yeah. shark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> How dare you? He, he parried a shark for you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're coming at him with this bullshit? How long does that dude hold his breath underwater? Uh, too long. Yeah. An, an impossibly long time. He might be half shark. <laughs> I think that's what that song's about. Yeah. Oh, shit. It's about Carter. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm like, you don't deserve this party. You don't deserve any of this. Yeah. Like I was I was very upset. Take those balloons down. Yeah. Pop them. Pop them. <laughs> you don't deserve them. But Scoggins walks up to Carter as Susan heads back into the facility, asking him how Miss Smarty Pants is doing. Carter replies that he hopes that she isn't as dumb as she seems, and then asks Scoggins if he raised the fence like he asked him to. More like Miss Party I'm very upset. <laughs> right, we don't like her. No, <laughs> we understand, but I'm upset. Uh, we're not gonna resort to juvenile. <laughs> don't shit on her. Yeah, please. Hey, we heard your the bird shit on, on me. me. <laughs> <laughs> the the harder you defend yourself, the more <laughs> I don't believe you. All right. <laughs> But Scoggins says that he did raise the fence and suggests the two of them go grab a beer. But the next morning, storm clouds roll into the area, Brenda watching the radar screens in the tower. A voice on the radio details a tropical depression generating gale force winds, and we see a swirling mass on the screen headed right for Aquatica. So they're getting some gale weathers coming in? Oh, <laughs> I, I expected that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can only hope. That'd be great. No. <laughs> she would find a way. 
She's gonna fight she would, the shark. She, yeah, she'll yeah. find a way. Gail uh, <laughs> <laughs> finds a way. But in the kitchen, Preacher is hard at work on some kind of batter, but stops to threaten his parrot, who sits in a hanging pot over the countertop. This, this is the type of shit I'm talking about. <laughs> you can't. Th- no, that's so unsanitary. It mm-hmm. is. I don't care how cool this bird is. Yeah. yeah. And he's very cool because he curses a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but to these threats, the bird just calls Preacher fat butt again for good measure. In the living quarters, Susan steps out of the shower, putting on a necklace with a key attached to it. And I'm sure that'll be very important. Mm-hmm. But outside, Scoggins turns a valve as the camera pans to a sign that reads, Heavy Weather Fuel Shutdown. Lightning strikes in a wide shot of the facility, and we find Carter on the third sublevel, opening up the circular floor and readying himself with gear and a harpoon. The rest of the crew follows Susan and Franklin into a wet lab on the second sublevel, the camera panning across a very neat-looking two-tiered laboratory. Even Franklin is impressed, and he should be because he paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny on commentary. He was because he walks in and he goes, "Wow." Yeah. Samuel Jackson was like, uh, "He goes, you know, and you need to you need to learn as an actor how to put enough emotion into one word." <laughs> <laughs> He's talking. He just made me laugh. He's like, and then so that wow. He goes, that says a lot. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking? About? What? I love it. <laughs> He's just the greatest. He's the greatest. But uh, this lab uh, set is one of the ones that was built on the large Titanic tanks. Okay. And Harlan on commentary, he said that this set with the tank is 200 feet long, 100 feet wide, and 40 feet deep. Damn. Jeez. He said that it was built on hydraulic platforms and that allowed them to fill, like I said, with millions of gallons of water. Mm -hmm. But because of these platforms and, you know, let's... uh, water gets into the set (laughs) a little bit later we'll talk about but they were able to just dip the set into those tanks Mm -hmm. and it gives the illusion of it being flooded okay okay instead of actually pouring water in they're just dipping the set yeah yeah Yeah. which is kind of interesting it's just very interesting to think about it's smart but they said that the crew was about 300 people and so however wet the sets get, they had to find ways to protect everyone from all the electricity. Yeah. And so he he said that every single shot of this film when water's involved was a pain in the ass. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I just don't even know how you even negotiate that. Yeah. And the sets look great. Um, the production designer was, one of them anyway, was Joseph Bennett, who also did Event Horizon. Okay. Hey. Okay. And we love those sets too. Yeah. Yes. But Brenda calls into the wet lab from the tower, saying that she can't see anything through the weather and suggests that they tune into the pin and lagoon monitors. Scoggins mans the camera as Jim calls into Carter, who copies, making his way into the fenced-in corridor. Carter continues swimming past the cameras as everyone gathers at the monitors, but suddenly, two sharks swoop in, attempting to storm the gates with their snouts, teeth gnashing. Susan is concerned, asking Jim how long the sharks have been synchronizing like this, but he doesn't know. In not even five minutes ago, Carter just told you they're hunting like wild dogs in packs. Mm -hmm. And she's like, how long has this been going (laughs) on? (laughs) (laughs) When did they learn to do that? It's ridiculous. But Carter aims the gun at them, and before they can break through the titanium, they literally back up and swim away. <laughs> They're it's like, oh, oh, hell no. <laughs> no thanks. Just come back. We'll figure something else out, man. Just come back. 
<laughs> yeah, seriously, Carter's like, I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that. But Franklin stares on in disbelief, realizing that they recognized Carter's gun. Janice says what they saw is impossible. Sharks can't swim backwards. Jim just tells them to stay focused. He's like, let's not get bogged down with what sharks can and can't do. Oh, you just <laughs> saw them do it. Yeah. yeah. Dogs can't look up. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know this sounds dumb, but really? You would they're they live in the water. What do you mean they can't swim backwards? Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, I mean either. Well, I guess maybe they maybe they circle around. Well, they do circle a lot. Yeah. You can't have it all. Like yeah. you don't get to also be floating backwards. It's and not have there. like rows of teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Pick one. So they can only turn right at the end of the runway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's it. But suddenly the cameras give way to static as the crew loses picture in the Gen 2 pen. Scoggins tells everyone to hold on, but we see a shark's mouth rise up out of the darkness on the last camera before it gives way to static as well. I thought we were going to see a shark fin and like a black can of spray paint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a screwdriver. Yeah. Dude, what Just the fuck? <laughs> literally. He unscrews it instead of got the little black hat up. <laughs> I understand how this is scary and why it's scary, but, but it was also hilarious. Yeah. That they're like, we don't need to be yeah. <laughs> monitor. <laughs> Jim looks very concerned, almost as if to say, oh, no, all that genetic engineering we did. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that would come back to bite us in the ass. But suddenly, all the lights go out in the pen area. Carter switches on the lights on his gun, entering a code to unlock a door and swim out of the corridor. The crew calls in to Carter, who doesn't receive the calls, and instead swims right into the path of a massive Gen 2 shark. It swims right for Carter's lights, and as it attacks, we realize that he's stashed his gear in a fence as a decoy, firing a tranquilizer into the shark and setting it onto the boarding platform unconscious. With the help of a handheld oxygen device, Carter pumps in a few breaths as he rises up with the shark into the laboratory. As they surface, Scoggins remarks, Did someone order the fish? No one laughs because they're like, that was really scary. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, even when when they can't see Carter anymore, they're like, come on, stop playing around. It's like, yeah. what? <laughs> it's like, all right, guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, I got you. <laughs> Nobody's playing around. This is very dangerous. <laughs> so they had mentioned this on commentary as far as how they're staying underwater so long, the actors. Okay. They had a crew of professional divers that are off screen that whenever the actors would need oxygen they would do a certain signal and the professional diver would swim over and give them a pump of oxygen okay there i can't stress enough how there is no fucking way yeah zero I cannot, I can't, I can't hold my breath. <laughs> there's no fucking, I mean, there's literally no way. I you mean, got a good 15 seconds. That's yeah. oh, max, probably I, five. I can rinse my face in the shower. That's about like it. I, yeah, I don't want to put Anything my Anything longer than that, yeah, no. no. I don't mean to be morbid, but production was shut down because <laughs> <laughs> they would need, they would desperately need to recast <laughs> my, my role. Yeah. <laughs> And also, there would be a heavy lawsuit <laughs> from the family of Travis Hunter. He's down there for a long ass time. He is. It's unbelievable. 
<laughs> the family. <laughs> I'm I'm not around anymore. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> hey, you might benefit. Ooh. Nay. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so I was I was really interested because he's doing this and just kind of in there for long, long periods of time. And it doesn't ever seem like, yeah, he has the gear, but then there's other times he's just freestyling it down yeah. there. Yeah. Um, there, <laughs> he does. There's a scene later that it's like forever. Yeah. yeah. So I I wanted to see this uh, free diving, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it and it uh, it looks like the record for the longest, you know, someone holding their breath for free diving. It's from a Croatian guy. His name is Budiman Sobate. He holds the record for holding his breath underwater. Are you ready? I don't I'm know. not. <laughs> <laughs> for 24 minutes, 37.36 seconds. There's How? There's no fucking way. He he was genetically. He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's half shark. Yeah. There's <laughs> the the interview. He was 56 okay. when he did this. <laughs> he said that. He goes, look, I know it sounds weird. He goes, but my age helped me because I was able to learn, you know what I mean, to relax. Mm. My heart rate's a little slower. He was like, and I just kind of went with it. I was like, that's crazy. Was it David Blaine wearing a mask? <laughs> <laughs> but look, you can you can go with it for five minutes. That's like, oh, that's an episode of Seinfeld. He's down there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's he... how I gauge time. <laughs> <laughs> that's show. Well, it was what was really cool was he talked about his training. Okay. And the motivation for his training is that his daughter is autistic. And he want he said every time he would train he would think about that because he said what his thing was was when I do break this record and I'm able to get the media exposure for it mm-hmm. I can also give media exposure for autistic awareness. I love so that. he was like every time I just did it a little longer, a little longer, <laughs> and I was like 24 minutes though. That's that's without amazing. breathing. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. That is incredible. I didn't know that that was possible. Me neither. Yeah. I th- I swear to God, I thought you were gonna say five minutes. Well, that's what it. I think before it was something like that. The and then it just shatters it. Yeah. So I don't know who who can do it, but holy fuck! What an amazing cause, too. No, yeah. that is incredible. That's you're like a superhero, yeah. yeah, dude. But triumphant music plays as Carter catches his breath. Susan offering him a subdued smile. She, I think she uh, likes him now. One day might be too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she mm. can still fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> There's no coming back from that. You're st- is she still farty or whatever? She's <laughs> farty pants. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't care how cool your accent is. You, <laughs> you blew it. But Franklin looks on baffled, asking, what in God's creation? Jim just replies, oh, not his, ours. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> That's a crime. Yeah. Yes. And again, we're copping to it as if it's not anything. But then later, you know, Mm -hmm. so I don't get that at all. And making no secret about it. Is this is this. And I wonder a lot when stuff like this happens in movies we cover because there were a lot of rewrites. Mm -hmm. Is this because of that? Like holdovers. Yeah. I think that genuinely it has to be otherwise it it makes no sense right but that's a big rewrite to go from everyone knows <laughs> to only one person. Two, yeah <laughs> because it feels very like <laughs> like we're all we're yeah. all in on the, you know yeah. I, I don't know but then he's like we created <laughs> thunder crackles yeah. down in the ocean. fucking frankenstein he's like now i know what it feels like to be a shark or whatever <laughs> 
But a large piece of machinery is guided over to the head of the shark as Jim commences a scan. Scoggins transmits the vital signs and diagnostic imaging to terminals 1 and 2. While this is going on, Jim places a cigarette into his mouth and goes to light up, but Janice responds with a cartoonish level of shock, so he ditches the cigarette. Jets are activated on the platform and continue moving water over the shark's gills as its vitals remain stabilized. Carter remarks that the shark is sleeping like a baby, which is somehow more important to Susan than the actual scans and vital signs. They have all this information, but the second that Carter says that, she's like, all right, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he sees, Carter saw Z's coming out of the shark's head, so <laughs> let's get going. We're good, we're good. The shark is then strapped down, and Susan goes to insert a surgical tool into the shark's skull. But suddenly, the shark thrashes violently for a moment before returning to its docile state. Carter quips, bad dreams? But Susan just lowers the tool, puncturing the thick skin of the shark in three places and locking it in, a laser at the center of the device. After learning that the vitals are still stable, Susan places a long metal rod into the path of the laser and begins the stereostatic aspiration, just as she practiced earlier. Liquid is drawn out into a syringe, which she hands off to Jim, who injects it into a vial. He hands it off to Susan, who heads over to a large microscope, introducing the proteins in large drops to the cultured and active brain neurons of an Alzheimer's patient. It looks kind of nasty, what she takes out, but I did appreciate that it was an organic color because I honestly was kind of expecting it to be like bright blue or like <laughs> Mountain Dew green or something. Yeah. And so I was like, at least that could that color could reside within a shark. <laughs> that I'll believe. Well, like it's reanimator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or that Mako, it glows oh, green. Oh, that's in Final true. Fantasy VII. It does. We're all, yes. Yeah. But she moves over to another monitor to watch the process on a microscopic level, telling everyone that what they're looking for here is lightning in a bottle. Susan narrates the process. She says that the proteins are interacting with the neurons. And as the screen goes dark, she says that the neurons are becoming hyperosmotic. I think that just means that they're absorbing it. Quickly. Like osmosis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why uh, scientists got to... Because yeah. it's out, you know... It's it sounds great. cool. Yeah. yeah. But the neurons come to electrical life on the screen as Susan remarks that the membrane integrity is improving and the music grows uplifting as Susan shouts joyfully, they're firing. They continue firing this way as a timer reaches 6.560 seconds, which is so remarkable that it inspires Jim and Janice to kiss and Franklin remarks, I'll be damned. Jim corrects him because that's his entire character for some reason. I'm saying... (laughs) (laughs) And he tells Franklin, no, for 6.560 seconds, you saw what it's like not to be damned. I thought he was going to say, we're all damned. (laughs) The way he talks, like everything you say is scary. It's cryptic, man. Yeah. But Franklin is overcome with joy, laughing as he shakes Susan's hand, congratulating her. Jim immediately lights up a celebratory cigarette, and Susan asks if Franklin is impressed. He says that he is overly impressed, as Janice repeats, 6.560 seconds. <laughs> now, they say this quite a few times, but not once do they really fully explain what that means. Yeah. Is it how quick it yeah. responded to the proteins? I think that's Maybe. How, how long it took before they started firing. Okay. Because it becomes their mantra. Yeah. yeah. Which this would be great. Of if, course. If we weren't doing something bad to get it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Picarder stands with the shark in the pool, its tail fins moving side to side. As Franklin gets into the details of this breakthrough with Susan and Janice, Jim kneels down to the shark, taking the cigarette out of his mouth and offering the shark, uh, <laughs> we did it! <laughs> Which is kind of out of character. You're doing yeah. too fucking much, dude. He fucking gives too a high fin. <laughs> Takes a selfie with the shark. <laughs> too like, much! Like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> it is out of character. Right? That is we weird. We did it, Mrs. Shark! <laughs> Like, it's so strange. It seems like something that Scoggins would do. Yeah, yeah definitely no, before. Because yeah. he's been dark and brooding. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. It was well, odd. now the cloud's lifted, you know, yeah. six point whatever seconds. Yeah, yeah it's true. He's <laughs> like, I can finally be myself. Yeah. <laughs> I love talking to sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Great job, Mr. Shark. But just as Jim shares his congratulations, the shark springs to life and in slow motion captures Jim's arm and its jaws and tears it off clean. That was abrupt. Yes. The shark is like smoking. Girls. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why. Why were you doing? I, I, why were you sticking your arm in, in there? I know that it's supposed to be asleep, right? He said, Carter said it was sleeping. Carter, this is all your fault. And I said that it tears it off clean. In my script, I wrote it tears it clean off. Because the next sentence is literally, Jim tears his jagged stump away. <laughs> so it wasn't clean. No. Right. But it's off. It is off. It is that off. That was true. Yeah. yeah. I got 50%. <laughs> but he bleeds profusely as Carter leaps out of the pool and into action. So on a featurette, I saw they did this stunt in one take, really. Mm-hmm. Wow. Where the animatronic shark literally leaps up and bites off the false arm. And I think it was Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, shit. Doing the stunt. And he... <laughs> His only contribution to the featurette, because they just showed him doing this scene, Mm -hmm. and they then cut to an interview with him, (laughs) and all he says is, the first time I saw the shark, I thought the shark was real. (laughs) That's the entire interview. That was it? That's it. (laughs) All right. I was just like, okay. And then they never talk to him again. (laughs) Isn't one of your kids a clown, dude? (laughs) But a shark is frightening you? But Janice screams and rushes over to Jim as Carter smashes through glass to snag a gun. Susan screams for him not to shoot the shark and rushes over to the platform release button, slamming her hand onto it and sending the shark back into the ocean before Carter can kill it. Let's all remember who did this. Yeah. Everybody and even dude without the arm. Look <laughs> yeah, at take the lady. Notes. Pay yeah. attention. Pay attention. And that shark, she's got a taste for meat now. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. Carter asks Susan if she's crazy, but she just stares at him wordlessly. He then rushes over to the control panel and calls into Brenda for paramedics and an evac for Jim. Lightning flashes outside the tower as Brenda does what was requested of her. Janice tries to keep Jim stable as the camera rises above him, blood pooling around his body, and Franklin rushes over with the first aid kit. An evacuation helicopter nears the facility as waves crash viciously at great heights. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote in my notes, is a shark flying the helicopter, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> are you all right <laughs> i don't know they're evolving very quickly this is my point i think i they are <laughs> they are the thing for me again on commentary harlan he said that the waves and the helicopter were cg okay and when i was watching the film 
would have never guessed in a million years. Nope. Yeah. The second he says it, I'm like, oh, you can absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why would you tell me that, yeah. dude? But the crew rides the elevator to the surface. Janice cradling Jim as she whispers to him that they'll get that place that he always wanted. Susan injects him with something as Franklin ties a belt around his arm like a tourniquet. This Janice and Jim relationship. Thank you. I would have liked it more clearly defined mm-hmm. because it starts with her just saying that he's a genius. Yeah. And then we never see them together. Well, yeah. the, the kiss felt like they were both really overcome and excited. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, that was my next thing in my notes. Was I the only one that missed that they were together? No. It reminded me of Final Destination when Claire was like, baby, wait. We were like, like, baby? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) See, and maybe that's another... (laughs) Did we miss a scene? It it makes me think again with the rewrites. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. I, I, same thing. I was like, I don't... What happened here? When did that happen? And when you say the place you've always wanted, like, oh, there's a history. Yeah. Yeah. You guys didn't meet here and fall in love. Yeah. You guys came here maybe as a married couple. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe when he was pissing off the side of the thing, she could have been like, oh, yeah, but I love him. Or even anything. Something small. (laughs) This is your man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He he does that at home all the time. But the music grows frenzied as the helicopter approaches the facility and Brenda switches on the exterior lights for the pilots played by Daniel Ray and Valente Rodriguez. But the crew makes it to the surface, but as they open the doors, they see firsthand the intensity of the storm, water surging in massive waves all around the exterior catwalks. So this exterior set was another one that was built on those tanks. And so this is the example of the computerized water. Okay. That's wild. I don't know how you program you program water. Yeah. yeah. That's literally what they're doing. But Carter calls into Brenda asking where the chopper is, but he looks up to see the searchlights in the sky. The helicopter swings around to meet them, and Carter is almost overtaken by a large wave in his trek to the helicopter, but forges onward, reaching up for the winch dropped by helicopter winch operator, played by Brent Rome. Janice puts an oxygen mask over Jim's face and the crew wheels him to Carter after he secures the hook. The crew is pelted with water as they attach the hook and the winch operator ratchets the gurney up. The crew safely makes it back inside the facility after being caught under a wave, but Brenda watches from her window as the winch on the helicopter ceases operation in the rain. So this wave that crashes into the crew Mm -hmm. and they've like hit those crates. Yeah, that's real damn what happened was they programmed these waves so that it would only hit whenever it was right before them okay or right after them but there was some kind of mix-up with the programming Mm -hmm. and so this is a real shot of the real actors being thrown into these crates okay i thought that looked a little i was like damn they're (laughs) (laughs) they're really committed yeah (laughs) they hit the fuck them up button (laughs) yeah Yeah, whoops why did james cameron put this here (laughs) (laughs) but the operator calls out to the pilots as jim dangles precariously suddenly the cable begins to descend rapidly the operator burning his hands as he tries to grab it the gurney is sunk into the ocean jim closing his eyes as he is submerged in the water are you fucking serious dude 
This is just insult to injury. Like, mm-hmm. this is just bad luck at this point. On commentary, Samuel L. Jackson goes, and I don't know why they hired fucking Wiley Coyote. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Helicopter paramedics. He's like, I wouldn't recommend this. He's like, are no. you on the Sharks payroll? Seriously, <laughs> like, drop him. <laughs> <laughs> but Brenda calls for them on the radio to pull up in the helicopter to bring Jim out of the water. But before they can, something seizes the gurney, pulling it away, the cable dragging the helicopter down with it. The crew rushes back to the lab to watch what's happening on the monitors, but they can't get a feed and all the screens are filled with static. The helicopter is dragged further, the cable tearing through the catwalk and shooting sparks as it's pulled directly into the path of the tower. Upon impact, the helicopter explodes into a ball of fire, destroying the tower, incinerating the two pilots, and sending Brenda flying backwards in a fiery death. So if he wouldn't have lit that cigarette and try to pass it to the shark, <laughs> they would have been fine, right? He would, yeah. He's like, hey, you want, one? You want yeah. a buff, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> Don't peer pressure me! <laughs> <laughs> um, poor Brenda. Poor yeah. paramedics. Like, this is just terrible. I was genuinely shocked. Yeah. yeah. Because I all I thought really was I thought that they were going to take Jim, mm-hmm. eat Jim, <laughs> and then that's it. Oh, the shark. Yeah, not the yeah. paramedics. <laughs> well, he was already in a bad spot. Uh, yeah. His arm got taken off. Mm-hmm. Then they dropped him. Yeah. Now the sharks are going to come after him because yeah. he's in the water. Yeah, Jim is, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> There's no it. hope for Jim. No. But the whole facility is rocked by the impact of the explosion, Preacher crashing into a rack of dishes in the kitchen, sending it tumbling down in a slow motion shattering of porcelain, and the lab shakes so violently that the crew loses their footing and Janice even falls into the pool. The explosion continues in dramatic fashion, exploding the exterior fuel tanks, catching around the seaplane and sending debris falling into the lab. So, on commentary, they said something that was pretty wild. Mm -hmm. This explosion that we see... It's typically done with miniatures. Okay. And then they kind of composite it in to make it appear life-size, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. But it was cheaper for them to actually blow up the real set than to hire people to build more miniatures of this set. Yeah. Harlan said <laughs> that in an yeah. interview that the explosions in this film were them really blowing up the sets that they made. He said... um, that he would just make sure that they got everything that they needed. <laughs> and I wrote down the quote because I was like, what a wild thing to say. Hmm. He said, if you build it, blow it up. Why waste it? Wow. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's an action director if I've ever heard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The medical equipment is destroyed as Carter reaches into the pool to rescue Janice. In the kitchen, Preacher finds a bottle of cooking wine and taking it as a sign, downs it. So this to me was, they play this moment up as straight up comedy. Right. Yes. Straight up comedy. Yeah. And then later it becomes a very serious character moment. Yeah, I didn't understand that. It's, you can't do both. Uh Uh-huh. You can't play this for laughs and later revealed that he has a serious problem with alcohol yeah and that he that that was him relapsing yes and we're all like oh yeah i could use a drink too like that's not funny well it it and i'll be honest that is the reaction i had because i was like that's what i wrote in my notes we're under here he they don't know they're stuck yet Uh uh-huh 
But it's like, we're under here. Shit's going wrong. Of course I'm going to have a fucking drink. My nerves are shot. I need to calm the fuck down. I put, yeah, we've all learned to drink after that. And then later it's like, oh my God. Yeah, it's serious. <laughs> yeah. Why were? Why did you play that for laughs? I don't know. I don't know. Well, and this is where I where I started to say that the film kind of feels disjointed. Yeah, it feels like we're watching two movies at once. One is like a slapstick shark comedy in a kitchen, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the other is a very serious action thriller <laughs> taking place on another sub level. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I was like, I don't know how big all of this is, and I know that they're on different floors or whatever. But the fact that preacher is just in the kitchen. Uh, like unaware that somebody got their arm ripped off like, <laughs> that's true that was wild to me i don't know this whole that's why you you saying that it is disjointed i think really that's how i felt about it too. okay because this is a joke it's played yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know man that part did not work for me <laughs> later on <laughs> But the crew reaches their feet in the lab, clouds of dust and debris still settling in as Janice rushes over to the monitors to try to find out what happened to Jim. The entire system is down, however, so there's no telling what happened. But suddenly, Franklin directs everyone's attention out of the large laboratory window, asking if someone could tell him what that is. We cut to the lagoon surrounding the underwater structure where Jim, still attached to the gurney and wearing his oxygen mask, is planted firmly in the jaws of a massive shark. Antagonistically, the shark vaults the gurney out of its mouth, slamming it into the window, cracking it considerably. Now, shark. <laughs> yeah. That was petty as hell. <laughs> you did not need to do all that. It's like, oh, you want your man back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in disbelief. <laughs> well, he's got to break the window somehow. Yeah, yeah, yes. Come on, man. Like, oh, I got this right here. I yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, this dude. <laughs> cool. Awesome. But the crew looks up at Jim as the cracks grow rapidly, glass breaking off and shattering against the laboratory floor. Franklin just calmly says, all right, people, let's move. <laughs> I mean, it's either that or we just stand here staring at the glass that's cracking and cracking and breaking. Also true. Yeah. Now, real quick, and and uh, I know this doesn't happen here, and I, I I thought about it right now. I watched a video last night, and it was, it was uh, funny to think back about this movie, and I know it's a movie, but... <laughs> They showed the speed that glass cracks mm -hmm. and they shot a gun and cracked the glass at the same time. And the glass shattered so fast. It was faster than the bullet. I was like, holy Damn. Yeah, I was like, holy shit. So this, uh -huh. you don't have time to stand there and look at that. To calmly tell people. Yeah, be like, let's <laughs> Come go. Come on, guys. guys. <laughs> Get your bags. <laughs> <laughs> Janice doesn't want to leave Jim's side, but Franklin takes her by the shoulders and very calmly says, come on, you can't help him. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Too calm. Too calm, but true. 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 Yeah. <laughs> but suddenly, the glass gives way, and as the crew rushes to the opposite end of the lab, shard-infested water floods the room. <laughs> very good. Thank you. The entire crew makes it to higher ground, except for Carter, who is overtaken by the waves. But he very quickly rejoins the group without incident, so... <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But he helps them open a door that's stuck on the second floor. I did laugh because the subtitle said, the door is stuck. Help us. 
Who's <laughs> <laughs> doing the screaming? Is this anybody? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody followed him. <laughs> I think someone's terrified. But they all use their strength against the pressure of the incoming waves to secure the door, closing it tightly and turning the valve on it. Janice wails for the loss of her husband, I think. Yeah. Preacher attempts to call Brenda from a phone in the kitchen, but can't make a connection, obviously. Mm-hmm. When he hears the metal of the facility creaking, he takes another swig of the cooking wine and with his parrot on his shoulder, continues off in another direction. So this is the second parrot. I guess <laughs> <laughs> the one that's good at sitting. Yes. yes. I love that all the shit you were talking, the bird. Yeah. He's like, sorry about all the big butt stuff. Yeah. But we're in this together. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> hey, as long as he sits on his shoulder, he's fine. Yes. Yeah. But the crew ventures onward, Franklin telling him that they need to get topside to find some help. As he goes to open a nearby door, Carter stops him, noticing a pinhole leak at the top of the door, telling him that the area is flooded as well. They should just plug it with the Bart's earring. <laughs> 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 the second I wrote pinhole leak, I was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Pinhole leak. <laughs> it worked. It did. But Scoggins says that there's no other stairway from this level. So Carter suggests the elevator, but Scoggins tells him that the elevator seals off automatically to keep the shaft from filling with water. He breaks the news to them that there's no way up from here. On sublevel one, Preacher continues down a corridor, the flooding growing worse by the second. He calls out to God, telling him that if this is a lesson about the drinking, he gets it. He drops the bottle, saying God is getting a little carried away, showing his vengeful side. The bird squawks, I guess, in an agreement. He's like, yeah, this sucks, dude. <laughs> this fucking squawks, dude. <laughs> but down below, Carter weighs their options looking at a map of the facility. He says if Corridor B is dry, they can get past the wet lab to the maintenance ladder. They can climb down from there to level three to access the wet entry. He says they can take a submarine to the surface two at a time, and he sums it up that they'll have to go down to get up. There's a joke there, but I'm not going to make it. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I understand the joke. <laughs> <laughs> but the group likes this plan. <laughs> Back on sublevel one, Preacher finds a stairwell, but as he peers up it, another explosion rocks the facility. This frightening sound causes the parrot to abandon Preacher and fly screeching down the hallway. <laughs> he said, don't dream about me no more. <laughs> <laughs> Preacher is unfazed, though, and creeps up the stairs. But in no time at all, he is met by a wall of a wave that sends him cascading back down the stairs and through the hallway that he came through. It looks fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a super fun happy slide. That bird knew better. He, he was did. like, oh, yeah. fuck this. <laughs> They, they said this is horror conventions, the animals knowing before. Yeah. For sure. And yes. But the crew makes their way down corridor B. But when they hear loud banging noises coming from behind an adjacent door, they rush over to it. With each bang, a splash of water spills into the hallway. The force is powerful. But Scoggins hilariously asks, Preach? No. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> really? It's filled with <laughs> water. Yeah. It's as if a fucking giant ass shark has been. Sh <laughs> <laughs> where have you where have you been? Not only that, the the fucking bolts are shooting out of the door. Yeah, they yeah. yeah. 
And even worse, Susan's like, it's probably just some old lab equipment. Yeah. Like, no. You, dude. You know what these you sharks better than about? anyone. <laughs> but thankfully, Carter disagrees that it's preach <laughs> or lab equipment. And his opinion is proven correct when the bolts shoot off the door, like JP said, and across the hall sprang steady jets of water. Carter rushes them all past the door to continue down their planned route of escape. Well, he slides across. He I does. don't know if that was necessary. <laughs> He's, yeah, an honestly, hero. <laughs> He's like, you guys go ahead. He I hit something. the wrong button running across. He's like, oh, fuck. It's like, oh, the slide, my <laughs> bad. <laughs> but running as fast as they can, they make it to the vaulted door for the maintenance ladder. But it's a race against time when the other door finally bursts open, sending water to rapidly meet them. They're able to wrench the door open and make it inside safely before the water overtakes them. The facility continues to burn outside, and through the lagoon, a shark's fin weaves its way through a crack in the building's foundation. But back on sublevel one, Preacher makes his way through the waist-high water, searching for his pet bird. Lights flicker around him and debris litters his path, but he hears echoing above him in a high-pitched voice, Hey, dickhead! And... <laughs> fat butt! <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a favorite insult yeah, for that bird. Yeah. He continues calling out for his bird. <laughs> but in the maintenance hatch, Franklin goes to ask Carter a question, but is stopped by Susan for some reason. He snaps at her and asks Carter the question anyway. Was that a goddamn shark that broke through that door? Dude, really? I mean... <laughs> where were you? You... I. You came here. We We saw... A shark vault a man through a window. Yep. yep. We saw a shark bite the man bite the arm off that same. Yeah. <laughs> man, off, off of yeah. said man. <laughs> like we've seen enough shark activity to correctly assume that it's <laughs> the answer is always gonna be <laughs> yeah. shark. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand why they're trying to pretend that it's anything else now. Yeah. But Carter assumes that it was a shark. Franklin asks if he's the only asshole down here who thinks that that's a tad bit odd. He asks if a shark can do that, bust through a solid steel door. Carter admits that he isn't the expert, but given the size of the Gen 2, and if given the proper room to move, she could put a couple of tons of power into a hit. Carter puts it simply, if she wants through, she's coming. Franklin asks outright if the sharks are after them. <laughs> He's like, are they... <laughs> are they mad at me <laughs> do they hate me too is this, is this something that I did <laughs> Carter says it's obvious that they have no idea what the sharks are doing and Susan's eyes couldn't possibly look shiftier Franklin approaches her though asking her what the hell she did to these sharks Susan finally admits what we all already knew yes the shark's brains weren't large enough to harvest sufficient amounts of the protein complex, so they violated the Harvard Compact. She and Jim used gene therapies to increase their brain mass. A larger brain means more protein. As a side effect, the sharks got smarter. <laughs> you mean they got fucking smarter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but summing it up that way is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> the sharks are geniuses now. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like they're smarter. No, 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 no. dude. That's not. You're underselling. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh-uh. They're recognizing guns. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> they're uh, really they're personally hurting people because that yeah. was for Janice specifically. They w- <laughs> they're problem solving. <laughs> they are. Yeah. They're hurting feelings, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know how wild that is? Unbelievable. <laughs> But Janice, who somehow did not know any of this, calls Susan a stupid B word before crumbling into sobs. She's the one that told us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's the first person. Mm. But if we're rewriting this to where she didn't know, I get why she's mad. Yes. Yes. But Susan says that she didn't want this to happen. But with this research, they could have wiped out degenerative brain disease. Carter asks crudely. Approximately how many sticks of dynamite would you have to set off in your own ears before your head cleared? Susan just retorts that Carter wouldn't understand, but Carter says that he can understand that she used them. She used him. He refers to himself as someone on the water who wouldn't make waves, someone who wouldn't ask too many questions because he had something to lose. Susan says Carter just doesn't see what they've done here, but Carter knows exactly what they've done. They've taken God's oldest killing machine and given it will and desire. They've knocked the human race down to the bottom of the goddamn food chain. But but again, just don't go in the water. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not at the bottom. There's still stuff in between. Yeah. Yeah. The shark's on top. I think we're still better than... Uh, Plankton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no denying. No, we got plankton and algae for us. That's ours. <laughs> but Susan tries to remind him about all the people that they'll save. But Carter just responds Jim, Brenda, us. That's the thing, though. If all of this, if we all die here tonight, it's mm-hmm. not going to save anyone. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to know what to do with any of this. No. no. But Franklin then tries to motivate the group against these genius sharks. He asks, what does an 8,000-pound Mako shark with a brain the size of a V8 engine and no natural predators think about? To me, honestly, with these sharks being smarter, you could probably send them spiraling into an existential crisis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just ask, like, hey, shark, what's, what, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> 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 and that's it. You guys can just escape the island. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't think of that. Yeah, like and brazenly too. They're not going to give a fuck about what y'all are doing. <laughs> no, <ever>. dude, <laughs> they're just going to hold their head in their fins. <laughs> <laughs> oh my like, God. Jesus Christ. Hey, sharks, why are we here? Oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> no. You guys can go. <laughs> you hurt my feelings. <laughs> But in a response to this riddle, Carter says that he's not waiting here to find out. But back on sublevel one, Preacher shivers through chest-high water now, snatching up an issue of Playboy magazine as it floats by and opening it immediately to the centerfold. As soon as he does, he begs God to let him get out of here alive. See, th- I don't, I just, this behavior, I don't think he's going to make it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm like, man, that you're alone. Mm-hmm. You're going through the water. You're doing the comedy bit. Yeah. <laughs> the comedy a, bit. Well, no, seriously. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the thing that confuses me is literally we're going from what just happened with Susan and them. Yeah. And he's like, oh, please, dear God, let me. Yeah. He's like, oh, titties, come on, titties, save yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, dude, what? What happened? <laughs> Weren't you praying a minute ago? What the <laughs> fuck? I'm so confused. <laughs> <Weren't> you... <laughs> he was. I'm so confused. He's, he's a contradiction. And. 
I do want to point out that he says something later that is wild in his confessional video. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you what? <laughs> you haven't been acting like that? No. At all. I know, Mm-mm. dude. That made me yeah. dizzy. <laughs> also, I'm sorry. And LL Cool J is great. And yes. he's great in this. But yes. I just got him. I'm... <laughs> The director was pleased with this teeth chattering. <laughs> okay, I literally have here that he I'm chatters. Sorry. He chatters his teeth hilariously. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But the thing is, is that they were saying on commentary how cold the water actually was. I it, bet it doesn't come through. No, no. Like, is he chewing five pieces of gum? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's heated, and he's having to pretend. That's what it seems yeah. like. It really does. I just, I, and it continues. Yeah. yeah. One thing I did want to say, though, is this is the thing that I was talking about, about it kind of feeling a little bit comfortable mm-hmm. as a film. The water looks so blue. Yeah. yeah. Just seeing this in the corridor, I don't know why, but it was very, there was some nostalgic feeling in me from seeing this. Mm-hmm. Okay. But everything goes silent for a moment, and Preacher notices a shark just behind him swimming through the corridor. He swims frantically back into the kitchen as the shark trails him with ease. Hiding behind a wall, he snags a frying pan and watches through the window as the shark passes him by. I don't think that frying pan is a match for, no. <laughs> for that shark. I would say not. But he closes his eyes in relief, and this is when I wrote, his teeth chattering hilariously <laughs> <laughs> as he clutches his massive crucifix necklace in prayer. Did y'all see that before this never, moment? Never thank once. you. Okay. Never thank once. you. Mm-mm. Thank you. I thought maybe you could have him... Uh, any anything with it. He tucks it into his shirt later or earlier. Yeah. He kisses it. He does something. Anything. Because literally, we just know that his name is Preacher. Yeah. I don't know. It, this this starts to feel a little tacked on. It yeah. does. That sounds like a nickname to me. Yeah. But it's a huge cross. I was like, was he wearing that big ass cross the whole time? It is huge. <laughs> it's it's. <laughs> I'm just thinking of Mac and Charlie arguing over the. Yeah. <laughs> what size of cross to have in the bar? <laughs> it's a like Flava Flav sized. It's, uh, it's big. It's quite large. But the crew continues on down a corridor. Franklin asking what would happen if the sharks get through the fence and into the ocean. Scoggins tells them that the fence on the ocean side is titanium and it gives. So it kind of works like a net. So to my knowledge, this is, the, I think, the fourth conversation we've had about this fence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? <laughs> I feel like any of this information could have been supplied earlier, even yeah. especially whenever Janice is giving like a breakdown of the entire facility. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, so it kind of works like a net. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that would have been perfect, I think. But then to have it now is part of this parts of this scene and parts of this section that kind of just feel superfluous. Yeah. That's like, do we really need all this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Picarda puts a stop to this discussion, requesting that they get to the sub first and talk about all of this on the way up to the top. They reach a door at the end of the walkway, opening it to find a large pool and the submarine toppled over on the side. Oh, shit. I thought it was a robot. Like they were going to go in there and try to fight the sharks. <laughs> it's like a mech or yeah. something. <laughs> it's like, we're okay, guys. Yeah, we do. No, we're going to win. It's yeah. going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but sparks spray from an adjacent wall and the group looks on, realizing that they'll need a new plan. It's very funny on commentary. Samuel L. Jackson, I guess he had been in a movie called Sphere mm-hmm. the year before. He said, interestingly, that submarine was also used in the film Sphere. And the way that we got it was because of 
connections. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you did it. You, mean you, yeah. you, you got the submarine here. <laughs> connections. But back in the kitchen, Preacher snags an axe from the wall and steps cautiously over to a stack of metal shelves. Now, I had to rewind this because it looked like a full-size axe at first. Didn't it? And then when he pulls it, it turns into this cartoonishly <laughs> little tiny... I was like, there's no way. I was like, I, I didn't... I seen that wrong. I, so I did. I had to replay and I was like, okay, full axe on the wall. Uh-huh. He takes it off and then it's small. Yes. That's what you thought. That okay, is exactly okay. okay. Because I thought... Because later when we see it, I'm like, what did he do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did the shark bite off? <laughs> But just as he climbs up the shelves, the door to the kitchen opens from an unseen force. At the top of the shelves is the parrot who freaks the fuck out and scares the hell out of Preacher. It flies around, landing on a pot floating in the center of the room. The bird spouts, eat me, asshole. (laughs) Which I think the shark understands. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean I mean right Say yeah. less dude Preacher climbs down the shelves Holding on to it and reaching out for the bird To rescue it The bird is hesitant which not good Because out of nowhere A shark leaps up devouring the bird Whole startling Preacher Who crashes down into the water Dragging the metal shelves on top of him what a bird trail. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was not expecting this. Though, you led with the pun. Yeah. <laughs> now let's get a little serious. Um, again, birds have the worst luck in these movies that we cover. Yeah. Didn't the last one blow up or some shit? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was possessed. It was yes. possessed. And then we talked about Tale of Two Sisters. Yeah. yeah. It won't stop. <laughs> it won't stop. <laughs> It's becoming a real burden. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but Preacher swims away. (laughs) And he looks around frantically for an exit, and he finds one. Thinking quickly, he gives himself the old Hansel and Gretel, hopping into the oven and closing the door just in time, avoiding the shark. Now, can he get out? I mean, right? It doesn't lock. It's not a... I don't, I've never been in it. <laughs> yeah, me either. I know. <laughs> but it feels like a, a temporary solution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I would put, I mean, I don't want anyone stealing my cake. I'd put a lock on an oven. <laughs> I don't they see why not. They would be stealing your cake batter. Oh, wait, no. Yeah. It's not cooked Wait, yet. no, this would only be if my cake tried to break out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so never mind. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> forget it. Forget it. I did have in my notes, and again, this is most of this film, it's going in fresh for me at this watch. Okay. My next note is not me waiting on the shark to turn the oven on. <laughs> That's the next thing I said. Be mm-hmm. careful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but back in the room with the toppled over sub, Franklin asks Scoggins if an explosion could have done that. But Scoggins says that nothing in this room could have exploded with enough force to make that happen. Carter just says it doesn't matter. The sub is junk. Janice suggests that they all just dive in and see who makes it to the top, pointing a barb at Susan, saying that that's the old Aquatica spirit, right? Everyone just hates her now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She says Susan should go first to lead by example. And then Susan goes, basically, like, this this makes no sense to me. She's like, he was my best friend. Jim? 
Yeah. <laughs> I never. I you had one I don't scene. Know, yeah. Dude. With this dude, she's he's her husband. Yeah. But Presumably. This. I don't get it. Yeah, you guys didn't high five earlier. Y'all no. didn't anything. No. no, and we were talking off mic. There's another weird <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like thing towards the end where we're like, you guys barely knew each other. Yeah. It feels like during a rewrite, someone's like, we should give all of them best friends. <laughs> give all of them BFFs and just see where it right, takes they us. They love each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Scoggins outright refuses to go into the water. Saying, Saying that all the sharks are in there. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not. But Franklin takes control, telling them all to put on wetsuits to help fight hypothermia. He says, unless someone else has a better idea, they're going to have to swim out of here. We have not even tried like laying down and crying. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> quick suggestion. Yeah, we could just do that really quickly. <laughs> but the shark in the kitchen isn't giving up so easily, and it continues to crash against the oven door. In its tenacity, it accidentally turns the oven on high heat. I was laughing out loud. I was joking. It was a joke. The only thing that would be worse is if Preacher was like, oh, something smells good. Oh, no. Yeah. It's me. It's me. <laughs> but uh, honestly, though, the damage that they're doing, what is that oven made of? Uh, more yeah. titanium. That shark is <laughs> more titanium. I don't know. <laughs> it's like the oven works like a net. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but preacher begins to smell the gas and responds in disbelief but he gets an idea to chop through the metal divider above him with the axe that he's holding in a bit of a clunky line and to sell his religiosity preacher says i'm not daniel when he faced the lion <laughs> when he faced <laughs> i don't know why it makes me laugh it's like it was a sanctioned fight or something <laughs> they had a weigh-in and everything yeah. this sunday <laughs> Um, I was like, I don't get the reference, but I'm glad that it's giving you the strength to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. But again, like you had said, a lot of the religion stuff feels very shoehorned. Mm -hmm. Like it does not feel organic. I don't. I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie, and I don't mean it in a bad way, but I don't buy it either. <laughs> it does feel very added. It doesn't yeah. feel genuine. Yeah. It feels like, oh, we need to like, okay, well, why don't we make them just like super religious or whatever? And then they went back and add. It was just, yeah, I it, don't know. It really feels like a combination of two scripts. Yeah. Yeah. But he punctuates every swing of the axe with more lines, saying that he appreciates the irony of a cook dying in his own oven, but he has other plans. A proper sized hole now created in the metal, Preacher climbs up just in time as the shark reverses and revs up, crashing through the oven door. Preacher dives out into the water from the higher oven, and he swims over to the door and retrieves a lighter from his pocket, struggling to light it. The flame finally flickers to life, and the camera presses in on Preacher. He tells the shark, You ate my bird and he flings the lighter at the shark, igniting the gas of the oven and exploding the predator into a ball of flames and viscera. He is sent through the kitchen door, safely underwater from the blast of the fire. All right. <laughs> How about a little fire shark grow? We love it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I will say that um, he had... <laughs> He had no way to know how bad this could get. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> no way to know that even because like, he could have lit the lighter and he's like, you ate. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's dead. The fucking shark's dead. The facility is 
Dead. <laughs> you have no idea how bad this is. He got yeah, very lucky. He did. He only had about five or ten minutes to get out of the fucking oven with that oh. with the gas on anyway. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, Jesus or you're Christ. just stuck. Like there's no way. But it it was funny because the shark, like you were saying, couldn't break through the front yeah. of the oven. But this little bitty ass axe, axe you had yeah, it's perfect. cut a big ass hole for you to get through it. And LL's not a little dude. No. So I mean, you did that quick. <laughs> <laughs> but the crew feels the explosion where they are and carter asks if it was coming from outside the facility but scoggins says that the vibrations are too deep that came from inside they all put on their wetsuits as franklin stands at the edge of the water looking into it carter tells him not to get so close to the water saying that it's just a suggestion a very wise suggestion yeah, should probably listen but franklin says that the water is murky they might make it Scoggins disagrees, telling him that it's 230 feet from the lagoon floor to the lagoon surface, and the average shark swims 25 times faster than the average human. Mm-mm. At this point, I mean, what? I, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I don't think. Lay down and yeah. cry. I yeah. told you what to do. 25 times faster. There's no way. I don't want to compete yeah. with anyone that does 25 times better than me at anything. Well, and I know that's the, that's the average human. Right. I know I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm below that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm extra fun. What about someone who doesn't get to the water? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How fast? Oh, 40 times. You said yeah. okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> lay, lay down and cry. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I told you. But Scoggins clears a path to a hatch that leads to the maintenance ladder, which he says leads all the way to the surface. Janice is overjoyed at this option, quickly unzipping her wetsuit and declaring her love for Scoggins. But Carter senses a catch, and he's right. Scoggins says that they don't know what kind of shape the surface level is in. The shaft is airlocked, but if an explosion breached it, they won't have enough pressure to keep the wet pool stabilized. Susan realizes that if the pool isn't stabilized, the entire facility could be brought down by the ocean rushing in. She says that they're better off chancing it with the sharks. Scoggins tells her to go ahead and swim with her sharks, but he's opening the hatch and climbing out of here. Susan goes to stop him and a loud argument ensues until Franklin, standing pensively next to the tumbled submarine, shouts, Enough! This gets everyone's attention. He tells them that if they think water is fast, they should see ice. He says it moves like it has a mind, like it knows it killed the world once and has a taste for murder. As he ascends the walkway around the pool, he tells them that when the avalanche came, it took them a week to climb out. He says somewhere, they lost hope. He doesn't know exactly when they turned on each other. He just knows that seven of them survived the slide and only five of them made it out. He says that they all took an oath, which he's breaking now, when they swore that they would say that it was the snow that killed the other two, but it wasn't. Franklin says that nature can be lethal, but it doesn't hold a candle to man. He steps out in front of the pool, telling the crew that they've seen how bad things can get and how quickly they can get that way, but he shares that they can get a whole lot worse. He tells them, as the music grows triumphant around his speech, that they're not going to fight anymore. They're going to pull together and find a way out of here. He says, first, they're going to seal off this pool. But before he can get to the second step, out of nowhere, a shark lurches up, its hungry jaws seizing Franklin, smashing him against the concrete before dragging him kicking into the water. The group responds in terror as the water fills with blood. Did you eat your friends, man? 
Okay. Let's yeah. talk about so, that. <laughs> yeah, I had a couple things there. First right. of all, that blew my fucking mind when I saw it. Oh, when he's eaten? Yeah. Yeah. Could not have could not have been expecting that less not the first time all. I watched this. But first <laughs> of all, the whole thing about the ice, that was beautiful. How mm-hmm. long have you been waiting to say that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Secondly, though, I hate <laughs> That your last words were a pep talk where you found a way to confess to murder and probably cannibalism. (laughs) (laughs) But also, um, (laughs) Chimp Gordian. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that was was definitely CGI. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was most definitely CGI. Yeah. (laughs) I, um, I, I will say that him falling into the water looked a lot better than him being snatched by the shark. Yeah. yeah. There was like a, and that's what's weird about this movie is that it's it's a lot of times it's 50-50. Yeah, because sometimes it doesn't look bad. You're right. And then other times it looks like a paper shark eating a paper person. <laughs> and- <laughs> but I feel like in this instance specifically, you are caught so off guard mm-hmm. right. and you're so shocked and surprised that it doesn't really matter. No, because honestly, I wasn't paying attention. I, 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 really expected him to get to step two yeah Yeah. no and and i will give you that because when i first watched it i was like oh damn Mm -hmm. and then when i rewinded and watched it again i was like oh damn (laughs) (laughs) i did laugh because it was insult to injury but the next shot is a shot of two sharks tearing franklin in half yeah which is like come on man yeah (laughs) it's it's kind of insult to injury to watch him being shared like he's a shark cutie board (laughs) (laughs) very good thank you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i love how you feign that you have sympathy for him but you're like no i gotta get to this yeah. joke yeah, no, it's really good. <laughs> this joke is very important i was kind of proud of it <laughs> <laughs> i do want to point out they had said that they devised this shocking death as an homage to alien okay kind of spoiler alert but tom scarrett's character seemingly being the lead yeah yeah and then you're like he was the biggest star here uh that means everybody's fair game yeah Yeah. which is interesting but scoggins begins to crack up sinking to the floor saying that he's not moving and that someone will rescue them carter cuts through this asking him what the precise structural failure limit for aquatica is scoggin tells him it's 3200 tons and carter asks what would happen if they got 3200 tons of water in this rig scoggins replies that the support struts would go first then the walls Fear fills Janice's face as she imagines this possibility. Carter then asks Scoggins if he wants to be here for that, holding out his hand to help him up. Scoggins does not want to be here for that. <laughs> yeah, and and I I dude, I get it. This sucks. Oh yeah. But who knows this rig better than you? Yeah. yeah. Help us. You can figure out a way to get out of here or help us to figure out a way. You know this motherfucking place. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that kind of is very strange to me, the way that this shifts, because it would it should be that. Yeah. But there comes this weird switch where it just so happens that Carter knows everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're lucky that Carter knows everything about this facility. Yeah. It's just like, oh, OK, I guess. And But then he demeaned himself and he's like, I'm just the fish boy or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. But you're like, OK, the pressurized cabin. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> But the crew assembles around the door to the maintenance ladder, turning the valve to open it. Everything seems fine for a moment, but suddenly the wet pool explodes with rushing water, a mountain of it shooting up to the ceiling. The crew rushes into the hatch, which is now filling with water, struggling to seal the door behind them. 
Susan and Janice head straight for the ladder, watching as Carter and Scoggins fail to seal the door and dive under the water rushing around them. Under the surface, they're able to get it closed, and Carter drags Scoggins with him to the ladder. As they begin to climb, flaming debris from the fiery ceiling above rains down on them. On commentary, they said they had people really legitimately dropping flaming debris on the actors from the ceiling. What the fuck? Yeah, I saw it in the making of. They were. They were climbing on the ladder and they're just dropping. (laughs) (laughs) That's dangerous as fuck. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) I can't believe they did that. (laughs) The good news is they also stretched the ladder digitally. Okay. And so they're a few feet off of the ground. All right, all right. But then that looks great. Yeah. Yeah. But Scoggins says that the elevator is blocking the top, but if they make it to level one, they can take the stairs out. So the crew continues their ascent, but we see through the eyes of a shark making its way into the facility, through the wet pool, and slamming into the door to the maintenance ladder. A shark has penetrated the vessel. Yes. (laughs) I'm surprised that Scoggins wasn't like, preach? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who's that? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's just some old lab equipment. (laughs) But as the group climbs faster, Carter has a new plan. He says he'll make it to level two, which is only partially flooded. And if he can get the access door open, the water will run off there and buy them some time. As he lets Scoggins pass him on the ladder, Scoggins commends his courage. He says something about the size of his balls or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't matter. But almost immediately, the shark breaks through, sending water rushing into the shaft. The crew climbs up, except for Carter, who makes his way to the access door to sublevel two. With his knife, he's able to wedge the door open just as the water rises to meet him. He gets pushed out into the pool of water in the elevator shaft, almost getting snagged by the shark as he climbs back onto the ladder. But as Scoggins predicted, the support struts of the facility begin to give, sending shockwaves through the structure, which dislodges the ladder from the wall and sends it falling horizontal. Susan and Scoggins hold on, but Janice falls right into the pool. Carter climbs over, dangling his legs as he reaches for Janice, but she can't reach him and disappears underneath the waves of water. This sucks. Yeah. I like Janice. It Mm -hmm. was just funny to me, though, before she fell in, the shark was just waiting in the water to be brought up to them. (laughs) (laughs) He's just biding his time. I don't have to do shit. But after a moment of silence, Janice reemerges through red ripples in the jaws of a shark. Carter reaches for her, but she's dragged away to her death. Man, that shark had a mouthful, huh? I knew. T <laughs> <laughs> looked at me like immediately deflated. Because I knew, from exa- the back. I, I knew exactly what was going to happen. And <laughs> he was. He was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's not me, it's the shark. It's the shark, man. <laughs> I swear to God. I'm just watching. He's just coming. <laughs> I'm just watching. <laughs> it's not me, it's the shark. <laughs> it's the shark, baby. You're just, you're just commenting. Just commenting on what we all saw. <laughs> all right, look, here's... I wanted to share something technical. <laughs> I just wanted to say that all the blood that we see in the water was added digitally. Oh, okay. oh. they said that what it would take as far as time to clean out these pools to get rid of even the smallest amount of red water. Yeah. Takes fucking forever. Mm. And so they just added in any time this happens, it does look really good. Yeah, yeah it does. I know. Ne- I could never tell. Not at all. I was just going to say, Whatever you hear, stay away. The sharks have the upper hand. Because <laughs> we're fucked. <laughs> but Susan crumbles as Carter climbs back onto the ladder. They realize that the nearest door is too high for them to reach. 
but banging noises are heard all around them as all hope appears to be lost. But the banging noises aren't coming from an approaching shark. We see that the sublevel door is opened and out steps Preacher. <gasps> yeah, he made it. Yeah. So we're finally joining these two movies together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A sight for sore eyes. He salutes them and we cut to the empty ladder a makeshift ladder of braided sheets being pulled into the sublevel one door with all the crew making it up safely. Where did he get all those sheets? I don't know. <laughs> what made me laugh is that they're like, we're not going to show them doing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Just, it's fine. They did, did it. <laughs> did you make that? Yeah. And then wait to find Just somebody? Just in case. <laughs> yeah. It's like, in case anyone needs to they climb up. They might be stranded in the elevator <laughs> But Preacher tells them that the other side is flooded and asks if they're the only ones who made it. The room goes silent in confirmation. Preacher's like, well, glad somebody made it. (laughs) (laughs) Shaun of the Dead. We should really... (laughs) We should. Yeah. I love how we don't even finish sentences. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, we should. Mm -hmm. But Scoggins realizes where they are and says that they can take the access stairs from here up to the surface. Preacher tells them that the stairs are flooded, so no dice. Scoggins begs for a goddamn break, and the facility begins to shake almost in response. Preacher tells him that God always answers, but sometimes the answer you get isn't the one you want. Okay, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So this was easier without Preacher. Right. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it? You guys want to go back to that ladder? <laughs> Does anybody else think Preacher's being kind of annoying? <laughs> you guys want to send Preacher out first? <laughs> no matter what we decide. <laughs> But Carter suddenly has a new idea. He says they're 60 feet from the surface and there's an emergency hatch on this level. Scoggins says that this level has bilge pumps for storm runoff, suggesting that they could reroute the emergency generators and drain an entire stairway. Carter asks if he's sure and Scoggins asks, who are you going to trust? Which is a callback. A a really good callback. Yeah. I think he goes further, doesn't he go, it's me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay. All right, we got it. But they head into the living quarters, straight for Janice's room, eulogizing her in their own way as they go through her things. Scoggins says that Janice was a healthy girl, so something here has to run on batteries. This is literally the oddest way to say it's what he's so saying. It's so weird. Yeah. He's like, that bitch definitely had a vibrator. <laughs> and, then he just, and then he just flat out asked where her vibrator is. <laughs> it's <so weird. laughs> it's like, Such a weird thing to say. I laughed out loud, though, because after he asked that, Preacher goes, what's the matter with you? <laughs> like He's just dead serious. But that also kind of goes against what we're about to learn about their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Because he yeah, seems right. so annoyed by him right now. Yeah. yeah. They find a bag of power bars in her room mm-hmm. and Preach says something like, uh, even in death, there's standards and like throws them or something. Mm-hmm. But like we get a tight shot of the fact that they are name brand power <laughs> <Yeah>. bars. <laughs> I wonder. So, what- I was like, well, are, is he saying that he would rather starve than eat them? Or is he saying that even in death, Janice has, has standards <laughs> and the standard? Is, is power bar. <laughs> I was really confused. Well, the, it's odd product placement if you're talking shit about the product. Yeah. Right. But otherwise, it starts to feel like power bar presents deep blue sea. <laughs> yeah. So I really I don't. I found it very strange. And it is odd that they didn't eat them. Well, he is a chef, so maybe he wouldn't want to eat something like that. 
You'd rather starve? Yeah, I'm be- I mean, I don't know. Shut up, dude. Like, that's <laughs> like you're doing too much. Right, I'll eat one of those motherfuckers. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll eat Preacher's Bar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hungry right now. Yeah. Um, But also, so she was not sharing quarters with Jim. Thank you. Because this looks like it's just her room. Yeah. It's confu- It's confusing. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think that either, or I didn't notice that until now. But yeah, it doesn't look like there's anybody else in there with her. No, not at all. And then we see a picture later, and it's not a picture of her and Jim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just I don't get it. I don't know. But Carter heads for the medicine cabinet, rubbing cream onto a wound on his arm so the sharks won't smell his blood in the water. Susan follows him, admitting to him that maybe he was right with what he told her down there. But she says that everything she's done, she couldn't have done without him. Carter says he knows, which is the problem. That's the thing, is that nobody here is saying, oh, well, Susan, you still did a great job. Like, they're all mad at you. <laughs> yeah. So you being like, I couldn't have done it without you is more like, I couldn't have done it without you. You're as evil as I. Yeah, yeah. you're complicit. <laughs> like, that's kind of what she's saying. It's not It's not giving what you think it's giving. Not, a, not even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but Preacher and Scoggins find some batteries as Scoggins complains that this night alone has felt like a week. So they did find a vibrator? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Preacher explains that it's all relative, explaining Einstein's theory of relativity. He says you grab hold of a hot pan, a second can feel like an hour, but you grab hold of a hot woman, and an hour can seem like a second. Scoggins says that he spent four years at Caltech, but that's the best physics explanation he's ever heard. I mean, it's pretty spot on, but he's also like, do you want to like be best friends now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I will say, I don't know why it's just a pet peeve of mine, but when a line is good and then someone compliments the line, the screenwriter's just patting themselves on the back. (laughs) That's the, that's the greatest joke I've ever heard. (laughs) It's like, you did that. Yeah. (laughs) You're both of these characters. But Scoggins hands a working flashlight to a returning Carter, who tells Preacher to stay with Susan while he and Scoggins head to the lab to drain the stairwell. Scoggins gets Preacher to zip up his wetsuit and then gives him a handshake hug. He's gonna die. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my next note, is that they're really letting him shine in this moment, Mm -hmm. and it's making me doubt his chances of survival, and it's Mm -hmm. only... It only gets more as mm-hmm. this goes on. Oh, yeah. Like, you remember the Walking Dead thing where you're like, oh, no, side character's getting too much. Yeah. <laughs> we cared about you too much. You're probably not going to make it to the end of this episode. It's, like, pretty cheap and, like, manipulative because it's, like, we didn't flush them out enough, but I still need this to hurt when they go. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like, hurry, hurry, give him a backstory, make him, like, make him likable, you know? <laughs> and it's like, nah, like, I don't care for that and you can see yeah something coming for him that is very fair yeah don't t-dog this guy don't, <laughs> don't do that. t-dog yeah. him don't tyrese him no, no. don't know him yeah they did that a lot I'm yeah <laughs> and that's just off the top of my head it's cheap it is yeah uh spoiler alert for the walking dead <laughs> oh yeah oh, <laughs> God damn. extremely old episodes yeah <laughs> <laughs> But the camera dips down from the sub-level one door to sub-level two, where we find Carter and Scoggins swimming through the flooded corridor. Scoggins reminds Carter that there are two sharks left, which I don't know how he knows. 
<laughs> yeah. <true. laughs> I thought of him hanging out with Preacher and Preacher's like, no, I killed one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I took a lighter. I was like an action hero. I said, you ate or you yeah. killed my bird or something. But I threw it. <laughs> And then I get exploded. I find that. It was wild. I cooked that shark. <laughs> <laughs> but back in Janice's room, Susan looks at a photo of Janice holding her cat in much happier times. No gym to be seen. <laughs> nope. Her, her beloved cat. <laughs> <laughs> but she tells Preacher that she needs to go to her quarters to retrieve some data to bring with them. Preacher admonishes her, but she says without the data, everyone dying isn't just tragic. It's useless. Preacher tells her that death is always useless. Here's the thing. Hmm. She's done for me. (laughs) After what she said to Carter and her really kind of like wielding her privilege in his past, she's done. Mm -hmm. But this could have been some kind of attempt to make her more likable. Redemption? To be like, look, we could save so many lives. I don't want them to have died in vain. Yeah. All this. Everybody worked on this. This could be their legacy. No, she's still so fucking cold and mm-hmm. unfeeling and one track minded. She's just so unlikable. I know that I was a kid when I watched this before, but I don't remember her being such a piece of shit. Like, right. I, I just don't. She is awful i thought the same thing i was like you're gonna you're gonna save yourself you know what i mean you're gonna mm-hmm. bring yourself back and she's like no i i need to save this yeah. it's like no yeah. you're saving that for you that's the you thing know what yeah. I mean? you're like not- at least say that you're doing it for yeah. them, you know what i mean like she sucks yeah well, I think I think your thing as a kid that probably made you miss it, Nay, is that you were very into the Spice Girls at the time. And so I think anybody that yeah. had an English accent, you're like, well, they're great. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> they're the best person ever. <laughs> you nailed it. I okay, think good. <laughs> Just trying to solve this mystery. <laughs> but Carter and Scoggins find the lab corridor and Carter swims down as Scoggins waits above. As this happened, I was like, why is Scoggins even here? Yeah. And I laughed really, really hard because Carter, he, he goes, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go down and you stay here. Yeah. The second he goes beneath the surface, Scoggins goes, Carter! Dude! Yeah. What? That's my next note. Why did he call for him? <laughs> <laughs> we agreed on what the plan was. <laughs> but wasn't it his idea to go and unflood the stairway? It was. Yeah. Yeah. So why is Carter doing it? Because he's Scoggins is scared. <laughs> There's a shark in here, man. <laughs> All the sharks. Oh, yeah. Sharks are in we it. know that. <laughs> but we see a shark's fin swim into the corridor, unbeknownst to both men. Carter makes his way through the lab, swimming through torn wires and debris, and to his horror, comes face to face with the bloodshot eyes of Jim's floating corpse. Carter resurfaces. <laughs> Carter resurfaces screaming, which was really fucking funny. (laughs) Just, I laughed so hard. But I'm sorry, but him coming up to the surface to scream was hilarious because he's like, (laughs) and he won't stop. I will say though, when he's down there, that is clearly really thomas jane swimming yes like i'm like i wonder how much you know 
obviously we i i saw that thing where he was swimming with sharks but i'm like i wonder how much of this he really did because you can tell it's showing his entire face yeah and this is when they were talking on commentary about the professional divers hiding that is wild because they're just supplying them with oxygen whenever they call them over yeah because he stays on in this little even in this scene yes he stays under the water for so fucking long I was like, no wonder they're not attacking him. He is a shark, too. <laughs> we were right. The game whole time. Game. <laughs> they're like, look, how did you get them to think you're human? But we want it. We're working on yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, no, you're fucking it up for all of us. <laughs> did you see me turn the oven on, dude? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> oh, no, that shark's no longer with us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He isn't saying shit. It's a fucking shark ghost. But Scoggins meets him, scaring the shit out of him. But with one of Scoggins' monitors blocking the panel, they'll have to swim down and move it together. Before you move on and we submerge once again, he comes <laughs> he comes up to scream. <laughs> and then Scoggins comes over and he's freaking out. And then Carter screams in his face, We're all right! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't that know. That is not the way to calm me down. I was fucking laughing, and dude. Didn't I leave you in another room? Yeah. yeah. Well, and he's like, "You said you'd come back for me." I, dude, what do you think? I'm just hanging out. Like I made a new friend down there. Like Jesus. <laughs> We're all right. Why? He's screaming it into his face. He, who are you trying to convince? <laughs> yeah. You're scaring me more. But in his living quarters, Preacher finds a video camera and switches it on to record. He gives his last confessional, introducing himself, saying that if anyone finds this, it means he didn't survive. He says he's loved the pulpit and he's loved the bottle. He did his best to be a good husband, a father. But he wonders what mark he has to leave behind. I was like, you're married with children? Yeah. You never fucking... I would think this would have come up once. Yeah. Well, maybe that could could be your motivation to get out of this instead of some like magazine titties that you have. (laughs) He's like, please, please, Jesus. (laughs) It's like, dude... I gotta get out of here. Man. I think it's rolled up in his pocket. <laughs> I know we all have Dude, our own motivation. Even his theory of relativity could have said, "But you, you grab hold of a hot woman like my wife, yeah, yeah. or anything. Any, yeah. Maybe he's not. Maybe they're not together anymore. Maybe. Maybe that's why he said he tried. Yeah. yeah. But it's just it's, it's very strange. And I, I, maybe I'm dumb, but I was surprised that he was an actual preacher as well. That's. I thought it was a nickname. Yeah. Oh, I thought he just meant he loved watching someone on the, <laughs> on the pulpit. Like he liked going to church. I didn't even catch that. So you're right. Right, though? Yeah. That's how I took it. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And he he's a very interesting preacher with the way one of his prayers ends later. Yeah. yeah. No shit. That, that, might, that might be why you're not doing it anymore. <laughs> he learned how to pray from Seth Gecko. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> but after he ponders what he's going to leave behind he then launches into the recipe for the perfect omelet so i'm i'm a little confused about what like what why do i need it so this is what you're leaving me yes an omelet recipe that's the thing and you just said that you're a father yeah Uh it's funny Uh uh-huh but i don't feel like we need funny in this moment not right now 
it's funny to who because I don't think his kids. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I know. They're like he's talking about a fucking omelet. <laughs> we didn't even get a name drop. <laughs> like, god damn. And look, you know, put whatever you want in your omelet. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't put milk. I put half and half in my eggs too. Yeah, what? I was gonna say. I think Ramsey said to put uh, like fucking heavy cream or some shit to me. He did. It. Yeah, he did. So I trust Ramsey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But Carter and Scoggins swim down to move the monitor and other debris away from the panel. They finally access it, switching it on and pulling a few levers. After a thumbs up and an A-OK, a shark suddenly swims in (laughs) with the swiftness, devouring Scoggins and slamming him into a panel with an electric shock. They are all underwater. This would have killed everyone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't understand this at all. But Dude, Carter's like, so oh true. damn! Yeah, I was so <laughs> not oh damn. I was so annoyed by the fact that his death was so telegraphed yeah. that I was just like, oh, the fucking course. Like, yeah. I was not even thinking about the spark. I was like, is that electricity? Yeah. <laughs> but Carter swims away as Scoggins is ripped in half, his disembodied legs twitching. Carter makes his way towards the escape wrenching open a door as the shark somehow misses his bite, even though Carter didn't move at all. That's the yeah. thing. It really felt like the shark was like, oh, you're a main character. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my bad, my bad. Yeah, as you were. Yeah. <laughs> but when the door opens, it sends him riding a wave of water into an empty corridor. Elsewhere, Susan cautiously creeps her way step by step into the flooded stairwell and into one of the labs, closing and locking the door behind her. Preacher, however steps out of the sub-level one door, just in time to find Carter resurfacing and helping him up. Seeing that Carter is alone, Preacher mourns Scoggins, clutching his crucifix. Carter holds it with him, but he then realizes that Susan is nowhere in sight, so the two rush off to go find her. Preach is not super enthusiastic about it. (laughs) Not as much. No. But Susan continues forward through the water, the room eerily silent as she makes her way to the locker, taking off the key around her neck to unlock it. She searches blindly for her floppy disk and finds it, but just behind her, the fin of a shark approaches. She screams in terror as she realizes that it's just the shark model floating by. But she pushes it away in relief, but suddenly, the real fin of a real shark rises from the water, its tail fin whipping its way to her. I feel like having them back to back was a bit much. <laughs> would have been more effective if we spaced Just the, that out a little bit yeah. more. Do you think the shark pushed the model? Like, <laughs> I got you, bitch. <laughs> it's really me now. I could not help but feel like that shark got a running start. <laughs> like it was like, oh, it's me. And then it starts moving its tail really fast. Yeah. I was like, did that shark just start sprinting towards that lady? Yeah, they're very smart now. Mm-hmm. Did you ever race <laughs> somebody whenever you were kids in the swimming pool and then the person you were racing against fucking kicked off the wall? Yeah, it's cheating. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what well, the shark does. Unless, <laughs> unless you establish that you're allowed to do the kick. I think everyone should be allowed one kick. <laughs> but just we, start. But we got to talk about it first. <laughs> one <laughs> kick as a treat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Susan climbs to the higher ground of a table as the shark goes in for the attack. In her escape, she drops the data and is unable to retrieve it as the shark bears its gnashing jaws at her. But she gets an idea. Dislodging a power cable above her head, she strips down to her underwear, standing on the folded rubber wetsuit to insulate her from the electricity as she reaches up for it. 
Now that's an excuse. <laughs> that's that's yeah. an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> to get her into her underwear. Yeah. Yes. The the director on commentary said that he pretty he's pretty sure that a studio executive mandated this scene. I would believe it. I'm a little would that be enough to protect her? I I don't Ooh, I don't know. She's standing on metal. Wet the metal. The metal is in yeah. water. I don't know. I wouldn't trust it. No. I would find a new a new way to kill the shark. <laughs> <laughs> well, she she is leaning against the wall. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm guessing this is concrete or something. Maybe. So I did look it up and it says that concrete is a poor you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or, but she's not hovering. But, no, yeah. <laughs> why? Why doesn't she jump when she attacks the shark? <laughs> Just right. midair, right when you jab yeah. it. In the mouth. <laughs> right. That's what you're supposed to do in an elevator, it's right? Really, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Seriously, and then your your organs won't liquefy. Jump before it hits the floor. Jab the shark with the electricity, and then you're fine. Yeah. And then get your <laughs> wetsuit back on or whatever. Yep. <laughs> Like God. nothing happened. Yeah, survived an elevator <laughs> crash. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna try it though. If I'm ever in the situation, be careful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those sharks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're smart. And one, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> <laughs> they know. Um, <laughs> but just as the shark resurfaces for a bite, Susan gives it a jolt, jamming the cable down its throat. The shark writhes violently in the water, shooting sparks and smoking as it dies a very shocking death. Ah, very good. Thank you. A sharking death. (laughs) (laughs) Susan, you were more proud of that joke than (laughs) anyone else. (laughs) That's usually what it is. Susan sinks down, noticing that floating in the water is her destroyed research. But Susan, with her wetsuit back on, meets Carter and Preacher in the corridor. <laughs> I would very, very much like to know how the fuck she got out of that room. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The water is electrified, dude. I don't know. Yeah. Did she Spider-Man up on the wall? <laughs> but she just walks out. She's like, don't go in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the room you were in was just flooded. <laughs> yeah. With electricity flowing through it, but there's no water leaving the door. None. You're, you're fine. Yeah, you're, you're fine. I want an explanation. <laughs> well, you're not going to get one. <laughs> she asks Carter if he drained the stairwell, and she also asks where Scoggins is. Carter doesn't answer, and they stand silent for a moment until Preacher exclaims that he hates to interrupt this moment of burgeoning intimacy, asking if they can just get the fuck out of here. She just learned that her friend died. <laughs> yeah. they, they weren't smooching. They weren't like <laughs> confessing their love. Right. They were <sighs> silent, and he's like, Do you love birds? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, knock it off. But they head to another chamber as Carter readies fire extinguishers with flotation devices to use as a distraction for the sharks. Preacher asks why they can't use them, and Carter says that they would resurface too fast and their lungs would pop like balloons. <laughs> Preacher, he it's a snide remark, and he's like, oh, I bet you were the sunny kid in class. And Carter goes, I didn't go to class. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, we get it, dude. Yeah, You're, all right, yeah. Chill out. <laughs> You're edgy or whatever. <laughs> But again, <laughs> even his comment, he's not trying to be cheery. He's trying to 
not make your lungs <laughs> yeah. feel like your lungs where they are <laughs> preacher it's like well could you say it nicer next time? <laughs> but with just 60 feet from the surface carter reminds them to exhale on the way up and then get the hell out of the water but he says that he has to equalize the pressure before he blows the airlock which means he has to let the room fill up with water Susan and Preacher both react like, oh, man. (laughs) But Carter says that it'll only take a few seconds. He asks if they're ready, which they're not, but he turns the valve anyway. Water rushes in, filling the room as uplifting music plays and the group holds hands. Preacher recites Psalm 23-4, but he takes some liberties with it, dropping some MFs at the end. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if that's... Yeah. He's like, did God say that? (laughs) No, I'm not religious. But But he says that they've got two sharks down and one demon fish to go. He calls for an amen and goes... He's like, I can't hear you as they continue. And so it's like, amen. Just like back and forth (laughs) in the weirdest... Like the weirdest dude, I, I'm trying to hold my breath. Yeah, dude, I I can't keep <laughs> saying it. <laughs> but they keep repeating it as they rise up, and Carter counts down for them to hold their breaths. Carter releases the hatch, and they all float out, sending the extinguishers as diversions as they swim the 60 feet to the surface. The last shark heads right for them, turning into computer graphics to eat one of them. <laughs> see one of the extinguishers he's like you didn't know i could do this (laughs) (laughs) never let them know your next move it's like he's a computer game yeah (laughs) oh weird no (laughs) fuck it screw it we're dead (laughs) they don't know i know this (laughs) (laughs) oh man But the trio surfaces among the wreckage of the facility, and almost immediately, Preacher is seized by the shark, his blood filling the water as Carter swims with Susan to safety. While in its jaws, Preacher tears the crucifix from his neck and stabs the shark repeatedly in the face. His leg crunched by jagged teeth, he finally jabs the shark right in the eye, which is just enough for him to break free. Carter pulls him to safety, and the three of them seek refuge in the crumbling remains of the tower. Susan patches up Preacher's leg, and he just mutters to her, it's the devil you know. I'm like, he's delirious. What's the devil? What are you talking about? I don't know what that means. And I feel like he got off really easy for having his legs chewed up by a shark. For a good, like, 45 seconds. (laughs) Yeah. Well, through God, all things are possible. So (laughs) so so drop that that down. down. (laughs) But Susan walks over to Carter, telling him that Preacher will be okay if they can get out of here. They survey the destroyed facility, and it hits Carter. The fences are titanium underneath, but are just plain steel at the top. He realizes that the sharks have been hurting them, pushing them where they want and using them to flood the facility. He says that's the answer to Franklin's riddle. That's what an 8,000-pound Mako shark thinks about. Freedom. About the deep blue sea. Roll credits. <laughs> so did they want to get us here to eat us or did they want to get out? It's a little column A, column B. Yeah, I was like, they, they, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm a little confused because, because for them, it almost feels like they're, you maniacs, yeah. Yeah. damn you, <laughs> moment, but I don't really understand even what is going on. I don't yeah. either, because if they were just trying to get out, why did they go back down into the underwater facility? Well, and it doesn't make any goddamn sense because this whole film starts with one of the sharks getting out already. 
<laughs> oh yeah. So they could be free right. whenever they want. Yeah. If he did <laughs> if he did lock the gate, then they open the gate. <laughs> I'm so confused. But they treat it like the biggest reveal. Right. Like the sharks have a twist ending, but I don't even understand what it means. <laughs> I don't know. A twist fending. <laughs> All right. Let's keep going. <laughs> Nay's tired. Very <laughs> But Susan says that they have to kill the shark before it escapes, which Carter says is the first smart thing that she's said all day. They rush across the catwalk, snagging harpoon guns and a boat battery as the shark rams against the fence. They reach higher ground, filling the flares with dynamite and loading the harpoon. Carter tells Susan that she should be able to see him hit the shark with the harpoon from here, and when he does, to attach the end of the cable to the boat battery and boom, it'll explode the shark. Carter climbs down, making his way across the wreckage to get eyes on the shark. He aims steadily as the shark chews up the fence, realizing that it's too far away to shoot. But Susan says that she knows how to get the shark. Bait. She drags a piece of jagged metal across her palm, lacerating it. She says the shark may be the smartest animal in the world, but she's still just an animal. Susan dives into the water, her bloody palm clouding the blueness of it and getting the shark's attention. The shark swims for her, and she does her best to escape, reaching up for a ladder that breaks off from the wall as she does. I'm not saying that this is funny. (laughs) (laughs) But you're not not? But I'm not (laughs) Because I was like, okay, finally, it's clearly the end of the film. We're finally giving this awful woman her redemption arc. Mm Mm-hmm. So it seemed like <laughs> like she was sacrificing herself. Right. But then she's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and tries to climb she's back like, wait, up. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> but Carter rushes for her, dropping the harpoon and diving into the water. But before he can reach her, the shark seizes her, unceremoniously snatching her up in her jaws, tearing her in half and devouring her piece by piece. I was not expecting that. No. At all. Yeah, this, this I will say, was a very big surprise. I did not expect that to happen. <laughs> I, so shocked. Yeah, I figured that she would stay alive mm-hmm. and then be like, oh, I'll never do that again or whatever. <laughs> some stupid shit. Yeah. And, I and learned no. my lesson. Yeah. The funny thing to me is that this plan <laughs> might as well have been her saying, I know, bait, and then just diving into the mouth of <laughs> <laughs> because this was the most like the way that it, it falls apart pointless. it's the most pointless thing and the thing that i heard I, and they didn't mention it on commentary which is very interesting because they said it as if it was always the plan but it wasn't yeah i read that they actually shot an ending first where she survives and it's a big like romantic ending with carter and her mm-hmm. but they showed it to test audiences about a month before it was due to be released in theaters. Yeah. And they fucking hated it. Well, because that's terrible. Yeah. They said they put on all their comment cards. They said, Susan's the villain of the film. Well, yeah. And so they didn't want to see her right off into the sunset. They wanted to see her get her comeuppance. And so they went back to the set for one day to reshoot this ending. And there is a piece of the ending where it's a... <laughs> It's supposed to be Carter, Preacher, and Susan, but they digitally removed oh, Susan. Oh, wow. And she's just gone. Look, sorry, dude. Everybody hates you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
but that and i mean i i just kind of gave away who survived (laughs) (laughs) but it was very interesting to me that they literally changed the entire ending of the film one month out from its release that's wild but how do you not know that she's the villain i was thinking were they too close to it like i don't know they said they they're like well she's the heroine of the film no no she's not that's what i remembered that's what i thought when i was a kid but she is not no not at all but carter antagonizes the shark giving it almost a come on pose it's chum on. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> Speak the shark's language. That's rule one. Um, but in my notes, I said, this dude did not just come out at it like, what you got? What you got? Because yeah. he does. He does. But in all fairness, this shark, these sharks have been understanding too much. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. I believe it. I believe they understand. <laughs> but as it charges him, Carter parries this charge, riding its fin like he did at the beginning of the film. You know what I thought was going to happen to Susan because I really didn't expect her to die. Huh. I thought that she was it was going to be that moment toward the beginning where Carter too fast yeah. and he's fine. Oh right. And that she was going to do it and she learned it from watching him. I guarantee that that's was probably what, yeah. what the original thing was. Cuz that it, You set up that line. It, yeah. That's what it felt like was a a full circle moment. But then the shark was like you are then <laughs> <laughs> he turned into computer graphics yeah. yes <laughs> once he does that once she does yeah, that you're dude, done. no it's you're done. done but bloody and worse for wear preacher snags the harpoon and reaches his feet as the shark takes carter on a ride through the facility underwater when he resurfaces he screams for preacher to shoot the shark preacher aims down sight telling god that this is for Scoggins. I was like, I had no idea you were even friends. Yeah. Everyone that's died. <laughs> that's for yeah. him specifically. You didn't like Janice apparently for yeah. some reason. <laughs> but he fires, nailing Carter right in the leg. So God hates Carter. <laughs> yeah. But it, it nails him in the leg, but also kind of attaches to the shark. Yeah. Yeah, but now you just attached me to the shark. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. Thanks. So Thanks. Whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever happens to the shark also happens to me. Yeah. <laughs> but Carter screams for Preacher to attach the cable to the shark to blow it up anyway. I do just want to point out that he told Susan how to do this. Yeah. Preach was unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. He's like, the water's the devil or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get this man some medicine. <laughs> But they slam into the fence underwater, Carter able to hang on to it, breaking free from the shark as it swims out into the open ocean. Before the shark can swim to freedom, Preacher attaches the cable to the battery, exploding the shark in a gory display, water and viscera raining down from the force of the blast, just like Jaws. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But we were we made a totally different film. Uh, <laughs> my thing is that it's funny to me that when we the dilemma is us being faced with the murderous shark. Mm-hmm. The solution is always <laughs> to blow up the shark. <laughs> like we, There's nothing else we could do. It's not going to stop coming. It's not going to stop jumping. <laughs> <laughs> well, he celebrates immediately, but you don't know if you blew your friend up or not. No. You don't know if he yeah. got away. You don't. You're just. I mean, I understand the shark's gone, but your friend was attached to and, the shark. And you did that. Yeah. yeah. One might (laughs) call that murder. (laughs) (laughs) But after a moment of worry, Carter resurfaces, Preacher relieved, and always with a joke, asks Carter to bring him some sushi. 
Carter smiles, swimming to safety as triumphant music plays, and we get a shot of the red waves of what's left of the shark. Preacher pulls Carter out of the water and gets admonished for shooting him instead of the 45-foot shark. As Carter's legs dangle in the water, Preacher asks him if he's sure that it was just three sharks, and Carter says that he is. But on second thought, pulls his legs out of the water (laughs) anyway just to be safe. This feels like... uh, how do we get down from here? Yeah. That is my right? next note. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Just making sure that I'm not alone. <laughs> but just then, a nearby boat horn is heard echoing in the distance, and just over the horizon, we see the transport vehicle approaching. In a very clunky line, Preacher falls back saying, take me back to the ghetto. Carter falls back too with an amen. Accompanied by the sound of deepest blue. <laughs> In parentheses, <laughs> Sharks Fin, <laughs> Sharks Fin by LL Cool J. We get overhead shots of the ruined Aquatica facility before we fade to black and the credits roll. And the credits are seven minutes long. Dude. <laughs> <They're really> long. <laughs> but I have to ask, what did you guys think of Deep Blue Sea? So I I, I did enjoy the movie. It, it, like I said earlier, it is a fun it is a fun movie to watch. Mm-hmm. It is confusing at times, I think, um what's going on. Um but <laughs> I just I don't I a lot of this could have been avoided. <laughs> yeah. Or one dip- might say all of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or even if you're gonna do this and break law and make these smart sharks or whatever, mm-hmm. there was still other things that could have been done to avoid this. I mean, it, it it seems like for as smart as a lot of these people are, they weren't thinking about (laughs) small things. (laughs) Uh, Somehow the shark opened the gate with its nose and got out. I mean, I don't, you know, they already had the beginning, had to go find them. Then we got the rest of the sharks acting a fool. And then like, we're stuck here now. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it. I don't know. <laughs> it's very weird, and some and for like you said, for a lot of what good the sharks do look, those couple of times that it's very very obvious that it's CGI. Yeah, they, they do hurt. <laughs> yeah, like they do hurt. Um, but this is a very fun movie. It is. I would recommend giving it a chance and watching it. I won't even lie and be like, oh, this movie's fucking fantastic. And it's because it's not. Um, but it is a fun ass time. Yeah. I will say that. And I will add ass in front of it because it is a fun ass time. <laughs> it's not something to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, that was and this means. No, 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 no. Just watch these sharks do what they do. And these people who were. who knew what was going on here and what they were doing to the sharks get eaten. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But they knew, but they didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It depends on which script you got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, I agree. I would definitely say watch it. It's a lot of fun. I feel like my main issue is just the continuity Mm -hmm. because there are so many things that don't flush out and don't make sense. Um, And not even like, well, when you really think about it, you don't even have to really think about it. Like it just flat out doesn't make sense. Um, but it does have just a spectacularly shocking Samuel L. Jackson's death scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is incredible. Even Susan, I wasn't expecting that at all. No. 
Um, so, I mean, I do appreciate the chances that they took on doing things like that. But at the same time, I was confused for so much of it because things that you're telling me are in direct contradiction with things that you already told me. Yeah. So it's making me second guess myself <laughs> and I don't like doing that. Um, I would say overall, like you said, it is fine. It's a good time. Do not think too much about it. Mm. Um, it's, it's just, um, it's deep blue sea, dude. Like, I don't, <laughs> it just is what it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I agree completely. I, I think that's my thing with it is just the, the major drawback of the film for me is that your two biggest reveals that should have carried the biggest weight. Yeah. You either botched them because they make no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you've already revealed them in a weird way. And then the character who revealed it first gets the most offended to learn that it is happening. Yeah. Yeah. So it it just it just is very strange to me. And so it really is like they had too many scripts, too many rewrites, and then they just kind of threw in pieces of all of them. Yeah. Has, has there been another goddamn rewrite? <laughs> <laughs> I have to every time. Every time. But I mean, it's it's fun. The performances are good. Uh, yeah. You know, that that's not something that you were ever pulled out of the film True. for. No. Cast is fantastic. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of positives. But at the same time, for me, that's like a giant rule broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When and again, you put the title of the film in this big reveal that doesn't make any sense because the sharks can get out whenever the hell they want. Yep. Yeah. So I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, they just moved the bones yeah. or whatever. It's like, no, dude, the shark left last night. <laughs> he ate the campers or whatever. <laughs> oh, and again, happy birthday, Susan. Cause oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, damn. Pull the Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that can lead us into ratings. Yeah. For me, this is a very, very, very difficult film to score. Um, I feel like there's a lot of positives that can't be ignored like i said the cast and the performances of the cast i also appreciate all the technical things that went into this film mm-hmm. the use of these sets from titanic and the tanks to i mean they really lend a realism to the dangers of this premise yeah yeah and the locate and like the movie looks great yeah where they're at yeah. and like this whole area looks really good the the production design uh all that is very good the music is decent i will say it it it's good there are times that it's like why is the music so triumphant right now yeah <laughs> i, I yeah. use that word so often in my i should have gotten a thesaurus or something <laughs> but it but it is it also it are it's almost like that this is the music for a hero yeah. or for somebody who's going to help us do something or that sacrifice themselves so that y'all can get away. Yeah. But they use it too much. It's it's just interesting choices. Yeah. And, you know, lastly, on the positive side, it's it's just a fun time. You you watch it. You enjoy it. You have fun. Mm-hmm. Watch it with friends. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, this is a film that would be a great summer theater experience if it were in theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but the negative side, man, <laughs> that the the writing is just wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little weird. I, I mean, it is all over the place as far as 
reveals, as far as character motivations, as far as character dynamics and relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where she's like, we'll get that cabin you always wanted. And it's like, have you been married for 20 years? And we go to her room and it's just her and a cat. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, <laughs> no, no pictures of you and Jim. Were you married? What's the deal? And preaching yeah. scogs. Yeah. They're, they've been, they went to high school together. It's like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? You just said, what, what's wrong with you? Yeah. But you're best friends and always have been. <laughs> and then this weird <laughs> will they or won't they and they definitely won't because she's they're been, not going yeah. to she's been eaten so <laughs> <laughs> i just i mean i don't know but it's 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 one of those movies i guess you really just watch and enjoy yeah and there's nothing wrong with those kinds of movies not no. at all but it, it's very difficult for me honestly i don't know how high the rewatch value is for me i think that the boldest scene is samuel L. jackson's death definitely and that for me um adds a lot to the film but then it also kind of diminishes the rewatch value yeah because the importance of that scene is how shocked you were the first time you saw it mm-hmm. yeah so for me out of 10 sinister sharks i think i'm going to give deep blue sea 5.5 Sinister Sharks out of 10. I was going to give it the six. I think the problem for me is just how egregious these, these, the plot reveals and stuff are. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's in, that's, that's, (laughs) that's unforgivable. (laughs) (laughs) But I will now open the floor to you. Man, uh, I'll I'll be honest. And, and, and uh, I did have a fun time, Mm -hmm. but I think for me, what you said last is for me what also hurts the movie. Okay. The rewatchability. Like it is fun the one time you see it or if you haven't watched it in some years, put it on. Mm -hmm. Like you said, watch it with friends. After that, I'm probably not going to watch it for some time or even think about it unless somebody brings it up. (laughs) It's not a bad movie, but it is something to enjoy and move on. Not and I don't mean that in a in a negative way, but it does. I feel like it doesn't have that rewatchability. There are movies that and I and and I've said this recently as well. I'm not one to like movies like that. Yeah. But sometimes there is those movies that you do watch, and it's like I don't even mind watching that again because I know I'm gonna find something different. Or I I know that it, there's always something different I'm seeing or something else I'm enjoying about it. This is a really good movie, but it's I feel like it doesn't have that power to where I do want to be attracted to watch it again in a couple of days right. or next week or next month. It has to be some time that passes before I watch this again. For me, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um but no, I, I agree. The movie's great. Production is great. The everybody in this movie, the acting is is fine. But yeah, the just the story, the way things are come come out, it's 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 really weird. I don't want Carter and Susan to be together. No, it doesn't make sense. She already expressed her distaste for. You, I, I just needed you, and you need me more than I need you, and blah. And you're a con, and you're you gotta be, dude. Fuck you, get out of here. But yeah, no, we don't. You're you're not you're not here to save the day. <laughs> you you might have sacrificed yourself at the end, but 
we were cheering for the shark. Mm-hmm. It's like that. It was fun. an it was an accidental sacrifice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, give it a watch. If you haven't seen it in a while, watch it again. If you recently watched it, I mean, wait a little bit. You know. <laughs> <laughs> But for me, on a scale from one to ten, Sinister Sharks, because I'm a little more okay with the silliness, I'm going to give Deep Blue Sea a 6.5. Okay. I don't mind the silly, and I do like that. But I feel like trying to put it in here and make it work with also being serious and then trying to say that this is this is going to be like exorcist this is going to no that's not what this movie is yeah and they he did say that i'm sorry that's not what this movie oh is. yeah he had said he wanted to bring back big, big budget horror yeah he said like the exorcist and the shining and yeah. no 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 <laughs> not yeah. here that facility is burned down yeah <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that you guys already covered everything. This is just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, my score did go down from when I sat down at the table purely because of kind of validation that it was not my fault. Like there were <laughs> plot holes. There were inconsistencies. Um, narratively, it's a it's a little bit messy, which is a pretty big. It's a pretty big sin. Yeah. <laughs> but again, like like you guys said, the performances, a lot of what they were able to accomplish, I would say particularly with the set, with the models and stuff, T, that you were saying. Yeah. And with that mechanical shark all of, and the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of that looked really, really great. And so for me, it kind of compensates for the moments where, you know, Michael Rappaport looks a little bit like a sim as he's being thrown around. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> those moments aren't so egregious because there are moments of CGI that are pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Samuel Jackson's death is a big, it, that is, it's got to be my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. Purely because it's him. He's going to rally the troops and he's going to get us the fuck out of here. You think? I could not have it. it, It's such a surprise. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Yes. The subversion of what of anything that you were expecting. But, you know, that's kind of early on. Yeah. And it never gets quite back up there for me. Mm -hmm. The whole thing with preach and God (laughs) and alcoholism and it, it, it's very clumsy yeah like i get the story that y'all were trying to tell but i it's not successful for me mm-hmm. um but i can just keep rambling there's <laughs> the this film is a mixed bag it's very hard to score um but it was fun yes <laughs> yes i will say i guess on a scale from one to ten sinister sharks I'm going to go right in between y'all and give Deep Blue Sea a six. Okay. When I sat down, it was a 6.5. The more that the story was just unraveling in my hands, the more <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I feel like this might be too high for me. <laughs> but, you know, it's fun. I got to say, I would have kept it a 6.5 if after the credits they put Finn. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Deep Blue Sea and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, 
and at RealStreeter84. Thanks again to Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Wendigo Gitter patrons. And remember, success takes time. Impatience might lead you swimming right into the jaws of failure. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned. We want to give a very special thank you to all of our Wendigo Gitter patrons. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very good. A special thank you to... Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Lala Thomas, Travis Anissa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Spooky Mom, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Eggie, William Berry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montalvo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Trotman Wise, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Valerie G, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, Beth Bowers, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jason Kyle OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Higuera, William and Zena Rush, Ryan Brom, Megan Ochoa, Laura Lassiter, Natalie de Guzman, Eileen O, Marissa E, Sydney, Henry F, Megan M, Strangely Sarah, Christy Beck, Nancy and Andy, Amanda Lopez, Andy Terrell, Jason Hanavan, ML Tafoya, Abigail Spitzer, Katie K, Erica Morin, Cameron S, Nicole Stewart, Tris Wynn, K.87, Mariah Jensen, Carrie A, Lonnie Lono, Powell, Kayla E, Maggie H, Fernando Dominguez, Murder Stina, No Thanks Tom Hanks, Kevin McGonagall, Kristen Marcy, Ori81 Bariqua, Look Like That One Girl, Bog Boy, Montez Shamwow, Felnez 63, Alita Pui, Probably My Jugs, Kate Thackeray, Wade Peck, Charlie V, A Lizard, Bryant Watson, Luke Ashley, Jay Rich, Jen Lassiter, Topher Williams, Alina Mettler, Neil Chesen, Valerie Kay, and Kim Sterling. Hey! Yeah! Thank you all so much. Yes, thank you, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate all of your love and support, and we hope that you know that you are all fantastic. Nah, very good. Sharks. My hands like sharks. (laughs) (laughs) As you can see. (laughs) Until next time.